It's a pretty good day. Amen. Yeah. Who's ever exhausted themselves fighting battles that we weren't called to fight? I really believe we've exhausted ourselves fighting battles we were never called to fight. Uh huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Anybody else? Well, what I was looking for was from, la- from yesterday when we prayed until this morning. Because I think that's really important that we get that. We prayed yesterday, Lord, open our ears, let us hear your voice. This is the response to that prayer. Y'all follow what I'm saying? So even as Carol was sharing about years ago, this is what was going. It was leading up to the hawk that she sees this morning, and God continues to speak in that same vein. You understand? Go ahead, Bobby Joe. Yeah. Um, yesterday I went for a walk after class and I'm just talking to the Lord and, and I'm just looking up at the sky and I'm just telling him I want to see you, I want to hear you, you know, speak to me, show me yourself, I want to see you, Lord. And I just kept saying I want to see you. Right. And and um, as I'm looking up, the cloud, literally a lion's face just came into the cloud and I looked at it and I kept walking. I'm like, I don't want to look down because <laughs> I'm loving this. But eventually I had to look straight ahead and I almost got off track. And then when I looked back up, it was completely gone. Uh-huh. And I was just praising God because, you know, I, I can hear from him, but I normally don't have a visual. So that was awesome. That is pretty awesome, isn't it? Isn't that cool? Amen. And, and, and sometimes that's one of the things I think is really, really important. Hear what she said. I was asking God. I was asking God. See, I think sometimes we have not because we ask not. You know what I mean? If you ask, do it with expectation. Man, I'm going to receive. You know what I mean? So we walk in that, and I think that's kind of fun. Catch Donna real quick, and then we're going to kind of go into a couple other things. Donna right over here. Yeah. Uh, there's just some neat stuff that God's speaking and doing. And there's a place where we just, we're, we're, there's a preparing of our hearts because I want to take us somewhere yet today. Go ahead. I get speaking about um, asking, I, I shared with Becky um, earlier how... I've been talking to him to have understanding between the law and um, our relationship with God because I don't feel like Christ, um, Christ didn't nullify the law. He fulfilled it, and I've been wanting understanding because I don't want to be legalistic, but I love the law, and sure. I don't want to strive to try to, um, to do everything he said because then I cancel what, you know, what he did for me on the cross, but I so much want to obey him and so he spoke to me about fellowship about koinonia okay so again what you hear my son hear him and um and of course and then he spoke to me about from glory to glory and then you brought that up so i love that when he speaks something to me and then it's confirmed when i get here yeah yeah that's pretty cool one of the neat things for me in that rain is that I'll be, my mind is working out a message. I'll be preparing for a Sunday morning or whatever. And as you're preparing, even Saturday night, you're in the office and finishing everything up. And you come in on Sunday morning and the worship leader, whoever that is, whether it's Pam, Joe, Randy, John, whichever, Deb, sometimes, you know. And, and, and all the songs and even the comments between all so lend themselves to where the message is. And it's like so cool when God does that. It's almost like the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> Come on. It's the same spirit. You know what I mean? And God just is, is orchestrating us. So fun. I love that stuff. And it's just a confirmation. You know what I mean? As a corporate body, we're hearing God and moving in the same direction. Yay, God. I love that stuff. Cool. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to take five of you, maybe six, and I want you just to share a, a, a quick 
it doesn't have to be very long, but just a, a couple of nuggets, some things that you got from the, from the school so far. You're in 11 weeks. This is the last day of the 11th week. So I need you just to kind of line up right here, and you can just jump right up. That's what I figured. <laughs> okay, but, but I want to do this, and actually we'll probably use it toward a commercial for the next school. Okay? So if you're interested, you want to share some things that the Lord's done, just come quickly. Uh, we'll bring you right up front here, and we're just going to have you share very quickly some things that God's spoken to your heart over the last couple, a couple of weeks, last 10, 11 weeks. Because you've got, honestly, who has not received in the last 10, 11 weeks? That's why I kind of thought that. Okay, so, so wouldn't it be a great idea just to share? And this is more or less for the people who are considering coming to the next school. Okay, so I think we're going to have fun with it. Go ahead. Um, just a quick background. Um, I just started coming here in March uh, seeking for more of the Holy Spirit because um, I didn't know you could move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit until January. I didn't know that it was real. So um, just for a background. So in March I started coming here, and then I decided to come to this school you know, I thought I was doing real good in my Bible. You know, I just might need a little tweaked. But in the first three days, I realized I was like gutted out <laughs> and the Lord was doing a new thing. So I just was just going with it and just absorbing everything that uh, Pastor Dan and Dawn have shared. And um, in the last week and a half, um, I have been um, seeking ways to just love on people. I realized that, that all things come through love, especially like all, all miracles, all healings, everything is through love. And um, last week, my son uh, felt like he was going to vomit, and I told him to go in the bathroom, um, and my husband and I went in. We started praying over him, calm stomach, you know, no harm shall come to you, and he immediately, his stomach was calmed. He felt better, and he told me he had eaten um, spoiled ham that day. Like, I knew it was spoiled, and he had eaten it, so we just praised God that same evening. My other son, we were talking around the table, and he got this intense back pain. Um, and I asked him, had he injured it? And he said, no, I, I didn't do anything. And I said, well, stand up. We're going to pray over you. He stood up. He couldn't even stand. He went to the couch and fell on the couch. He said, it hurts too bad. So we laid hands on him. We prayed, just believing God, just claiming his word. And um, when he stood up, at first he was kind of pretending like he hurt. And then he said, I, I don't hurt, Mom. And it immediately went away. Three days later, we're... Um, four girls were at a pool with a bunch of kids, and right before we left, one of the girls asked if we could pray over her son's leg because it was going out, and when he stood straight, his knees kind of went over each other. So we lay hands on his legs, and we pray over his legs, uh, believing in alignment and all these things, and right as we're finishing, he sits on his mom, and I lift up his legs, and the left leg is shorter than the right leg. So we start praying, leg grow in the name of Jesus, and we're watching it. It's growing, growing, and it grew further. And we said, okay, Lord, um, back in alignment. We want this leg to be in alignment, and we watched it go right into place. And we are saying, praise you, Jesus. And he said, he's four years old, and he's a little delayed, and he was saying, pop, 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 pop. He's like, and then he was swinging his leg, just saying, look. He was so excited because he knew that his leg was, had grown. And then I was sharing, this past weekend was my family reunion. So I was sharing with my family things that are happening in my life. And um, I was telling my two nephews about the, the things that were going on. And it, um, my nephew Gage said, he said, my knee, he said, I can't even touch it. He said, when anyone goes near it, it hurts so bad. He said, and I know there's water in there and the bone, he said, the bone has been out of place for a long time. And I said, well, the kingdom of God is here and we are just going to believe right now that you are healed. 
We laid hand, I laid hands on him and I just claimed healing over his leg. And when I was done, he's beating his leg and I'm just smiling. And he's like, what did you do? And, I, and I've heard that so many times. People say, what did you do? I said, I didn't do anything. I said, God loves you. And then my other nephew was there watching it. And he said, you know, I was going to wait. He said, but I, I just need to tell you that I don't even know who I am right now. He said, I, I'm so confused. I don't, I'm lost. I, I'm going to college next week. I don't feel, I can't even have conversation. I judge everyone. Negative thoughts just keep coming in my mind, and he's pouring out his life. And I said, um, why don't you come with me? I said, I'm going to this school, and it's all about identity. I said, you will, it's amazing. I said, if you could just come. And at first, he's him, hon, no, I have to work. Well, somehow, the Holy Spirit must have spoke to him because he said, you know what, I'm going to come. And he left last night. He was here the first three days. And last night when he left, he said, you know, I really didn't know. He said, but now I know. He said, I really do believe in God. He said, and I am going to go to church on Sunday, and I really think that I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. And I'm just going, Lord, you are so good here. So I'm just, I'm walking in it, and, and my prayer now is, Lord, allow me to just keep seeing opportunities because what you have given me, I know that I can let it go if I choose not to continue moving forward in you. So praise be to God. Good work. Amen. Just answer. Wow, she had a lot happen. Wow. I've just been set free. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. No, I came here afraid, really afraid, afraid of people. Can you imagine that? Afraid of leaders. Um, Just been really, just hurt, really hurt, and um, didn't trust church anymore. But I've been set free. Just sitting in this class, um, that day I got so excited because I realized things were just falling off of me because it's truth. You hear truth here, don't you? It's just so good. And um, just nailing some ideas that I've been taught, just just nailed it in that coffin. It's gone, you know. That coffin is, I believe that anybody, healing is for everybody now. There's no doubt in my mind that somebody has to die or be sick. I just know that. And um, I'm just free. I feel good. I feel good. Yeah, it feels really good that I, I know who I am in Christ, that he really loves me, that I'm so worth it, quote, unquote, right? And um, not to be offended. That was another big thing. Is And what's so great for me is I've seen it lived in people around me. It's not just church knees. I've really seen people walk. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, okay. I thought I'd do something. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But anyway, that's what's happened to me while I've been here. Besides the great friends and, and whatever else, we all benefit. God placed me in this class. Um, I'm a baby in the Word. And when I came here, first God opened the doors for me to come here for free because all my seeding money, all all my money has gone into Courage House. Um, And she said, come anyway. And I'm like, really? 
So I did, and it was one identity. Um, and God has changed me in the last year very, very rapidly. Um, he has been training me to be strong enough in the word to be able to do the Courage House and be strong enough in doing my mission and purpose in life. Um, and Freedom Valley grew me up and to be a leader, and I know why I was, I was put here, um, was to um, get more knowledge of the word, but so much more than that. Um, you guys have embraced the Courage House. You have no idea how much that has meant to me. Um, and that just has helped light the fire back in me because I've been doing this for four years. And it's been hard. Um, and just coming here and having the women's support that I've gotten has been amazing. <laughs> I'm very grateful. Um, I'm so grateful to have met you. Like, you have no idea. Um, and the willingness from this church. Um, and Saturday night was my final training. Um, my father is inside me now. Um, and he said that was the final step that you needed to take with the relationship with my father to do the mission. Um, so this, this school has been a tremendous, tremendous um, part of my training. Um, I, I fasted for the first time, and I know it works, because I had a miracle of my son coming to me and getting help. Um, I know that miracles do happen because I've had some healings in my own body, and I was part of some healings on Saturday. Blow me away. I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and he kept telling me, move on, move on, move on. And like all his prophetic words came to me, and I'm like staring up at the ceiling, I'm blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was, whew. It was just awesome um, how he's, he's and I have such a, I've had such a hard heart from my past, and that was one thing that I had to have softened, um, and coming here and talking about love, 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 love is our purpose. Um, I've been able to love myself more, um, and I've been able to love my family more, which has been a big storm over my head. Um, and that was another part of my training that I had to complete. Um, and he's just continuously softening my heart so that I can have much compassion and grace towards women and individuals that are gonna be coming into this house. Um, and we are starting a support group um, because we don't have a house yet, we have to start serving. Um, and we're actually gonna start it here uh, within the next couple of weeks. It's for any women that have any kind of addictions of any kind um, single moms that have nobody that want to bring their kids with them, any woman that just wants a support group and um, peer coaching, uh, it's going to involve a whole array of things. Um, or if you just want another woman to talk to, this is, we're going to hopefully have the office down here. Um, okay, I'm going to have the office down here. <laughs> Claiming it right now. I've already claimed the house, I just don't know when it's coming. Um, but I could stand here and talk for a really long time, so God has just done miracles in my life. Thank you. Well, uh, I guess for me, one of the, uh, uh, one of the big things of, of coming to this place is the, uh, the realization that 
uh, God doesn't work with inside, or God hasn't established a system of what following him is. Meaning, uh, ever since, ever, basically ever since Jesus left, the church has, uh, it, it's almost like we, we've tried to systemize. This is, what, this is what serving God looks like. This is what worship looks like. This is what uh, growing in him looks like. And, you know, we, we come up with steps. We come up with programs. We come up with all this stuff. And, and coming here and seeing something totally different than, than what I grew up and what my background was in. Coming here and then seeing the uh, uh, seeing the the Dan Molers, you know, and the, and the Dons, Pastor Dons, and seeing all these people that each live completely different lives, meaning they are completely themselves, they are completely unique, they are completely uh, in their own relationship with the Lord, and yet in that, coming to the same truths, coming to the same realizations, coming to the same understandings, and so. That is probably the biggest thing that it did to me because realizing that God isn't a system, that we follow these steps, we just follow him. And then in that, in that, what I'm learning more and more about is he starts to tailor things towards us in a way that we can most run with, in a way that we can most excel in. That's why you can have the, the Dan Mullers, that's why you can have the, the Pastor Dons, that's why... You can have the Shanes, you can have the Dillons, you can have the Richards and the Matts, and you can have all these different people that are all growing in in one being, in one God, and yet having that expression come out in so many different ways. And just actually then the beauty of seeing that, because then I don't have to try to be somebody else. And hearing Dan constantly talk about that and hearing the emphasis of the school of being who you are in Christ, not being the prophet that spoke two days ago, you know, or, or the guy from a hundred years ago that, that walked in some pretty cool things. You know, not trying to be that, but actually simply just trying to be and actually just living in you because you were designed and you were tailored in such a way that is going to impact eternity in ways that darkness, for one, never wants us to find out. Because if we were to live in how God designed us and how God is, uh, uh, has created us to live in, if we, if we live in that, well, darkness is going to freak out. And so Amen. darkness has used a lot of people in my life, like try to be like him, try to be like them, try to be like the, basically almost trying to get me under some kind of system that limits God. And the great thing is, is actually by realizing the limitlessness limitlessness of God, I actually then find that uh, <laughs> that I'm unlimited because I can now be who I'm designed to be in a way that no one else can copy or be. And there's a part of eternity that I'm meant to fulfill. So that's what I learned. have them in my hands. <laughs> I am uh, just for you that don't know me I'm one that I've grown up in the church. Oh. I grew up in the church <clears throat> not knowing anything about the Holy Spirit. And um, 
I look back and see that I was the one that was just steeped in legalism and doing. Um, and I had a lot of walls and a lot of hurts from my past that I had tried and tried and tried to get free from and couldn't, you know, by going to counseling and, and um, inner healing ministries and and uh, nothing was setting me free, really. But it was about 18 months ago, um, God just lined me up and and took me to a place where I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And ever since then, I've been chasing after God, wanting to know more. I knew there was more, but I didn't know how to get it. Um, but because of all the things that had been going on in my life, and I walked around one wanting to be in complete control of my life, I didn't trust others with my life, and I didn't trust God with my life. Um, but it was in February he told me to come here. And uh, it was like, enroll now, enroll now, enroll now. And I thought, it's February. Why do you want me to enroll now? And I know it was because if I didn't, I wouldn't have come because of circumstances that were going to come against me. Before, in the time period from February to the time to come, it seemed like my complete life went spun out of control. My relationships were in a bad spot. I got diagnosed with a health issue that could be life-threatening. It just seemed like I was juggling a bunch of balls and they were up in the air and I had no idea where they were going to fall. Um, but God placed a determination in me to come here. That's one time I heard him so clearly. You go. So I said, I don't know how you're going to get me there, God, with all this stuff that's going on, but I'm trusting you that you're going to get me from A to B. And he did. And he told me, you're going to bloom out there. <laughs> I got um, he asked me to be baptized again January of this year and uh, I had been as a little girl but I didn't really realize what that meant so I did it as an adult and realizing what was going on and someone prophesied over me and gave me the scripture Luke ten nineteen, and said you're going to take back that which has been stolen from you I had no idea really what that meant. Um, but what I've learned here in this school is my identity and I'm a daughter. And I've learned about Luke 10, 19 and the authority that I have. And God has just been restoring so much back to my life. And I had a huge, huge breakthrough Tuesday. Because I got filled with the Spirit, my family, meaning my mom, siblings, old friends, thought I was filled with Satan, that I was in a cult, it was satanic, I was out there. And uh, so there's been a lot of friction and uh, a lot of accusations. And my, the Lord told me to call my mom on Tuesday, and there had been some things going back and forth between I and her. And you know, when you come here to school and you hear all this, you think, am I going to be able to, you said, you've been poured into 
to pour out to others. Am I going to be able to pour out to others? Well, Tuesday he told me to call my mom, and I called her, and I said, what's this about, Mom? With uh, She had, had told me to read Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 12, and I mean, it was really speaking where she thought I was. And uh, I just told her, I said, Mom, here's what I'm learning. And I started speaking to her of what happened in the garden, what Jesus really did when he died on the cross for us, and the example that Jesus gave us that he modeled and how we're to live. And I was preaching it. I, I, it was all Holy Spirit. When I got done, my mom was crying, and she said, I've never heard anyone explain it like that before. And when we got done, I, our relationship, that was a huge step in our relationship being restored. And we got off the phone, and we both said, no more of this our relationship being broken like it has been. And I just know God's going to... He's in the process of restoring relationships and restoring my health and things that's been taken from me. But the thing that he said to me yesterday afternoon after I left class, I went for a walk and I was like, God, so much of my life seems out of control. But the cool thing is, is that in all of this, he's kept me in his peace. I haven't been living in fear, which is how I've lived all my life is in fear. And he's kept me in his perfect peace, and that's been really cool to experience that, that when it looks crazy to everybody else, I'm walking in peace, and they're wondering why. Um, but the thing that he told me yesterday, because there's still a lot that needs to be put back into, into place in my life, he said, wait on me, daughter, and watch me move. And with what he did Tuesday, when I had done nothing, and what he did Tuesday between my mom and I, I now have the faith to believe that he will. I can trust my daddy, and he will put my life back together. So, anyway. First of all, I just want to start off to say that I am so thankful for the opportunity that was presented to me to go to this school. And at first, I was kind of nervous because I was like, what are they going to think about my age? Because like, I don't want people looking at me. And I know I'm incredibly blessed to have this kind of church that doesn't look at your age because I know that I'm one of the youngest ones here. I probably am one of the youngest ones here because I'm only 14. But when, when I don't want people looking at me and saying, I'm going to water things down for you because of you're, you're probably not going to understand anything like I would understand it. Like, I don't want people looking at me like that. And I'm so blessed to have a church that doesn't look at people like that. And it doesn't look at the teenagers or the youth that's coming up. And they, in fact, encourage the youth. I remember them coming and our youth leader was telling us about how we could go to this school and how we were had this opportunity that we could go, we wouldn't regret it. And that I was, I, like I said, I was really nervous at first, but I was so glad after I took the first, like that two first steps. Like as soon as I like started coming to the school, like my perspective changed like so dramatically. And I was so glad that I started coming to this school. And I know that I hear all these people that are so thankful and how their perspective is changing and how they're looking at life differently. 
and I'm just so glad that no one was looking at my age and they weren't they weren't saying that you can't you can't get this yet you're not old enough but it was like here here's what we're learning like you can learn it and you can go even farther and it's not like a it's not like a cookie cutter like they want to put you in your own thing like they want to give you exactly what they have like what the elders of this church has and it's not they don't feel like they need to water it down for anyone and they just give you what they have and they just say make your own pattern make your go for god like completely like your our ceiling is your floor like they push you off to as much as you can be and they don't limit you to anything and i'm just so glad that i took this opportunity and i just want to thank pastor don for opening this up to the youth and not having expectations for us or anything like that just like that you let us come in here and seek like seek god after like our hearts and just like (laughs) have complete understanding just as much as you do and that you don't have like a limit on us and I just thank you for that and I'm so happy that I took this opportunity to go to this school wow I see there's a lot of wet eyes here. It's just amazing. I get so excited about this. Um, and I want to tell you just a little bit about the online students as well. And uh, because I, I get to hear so much and there's no way I could share it all with you. But I want to take this few minutes to kind of um, let you know a little more what's going on. I, we, we continue to have students enroll in this school. It's like, it just continues. And uh, a few weeks ago, we had a student from Thailand uh, online. Hey, Thailand. Um, <laughs> And, you know, we have an incredible lady in Georgia, Bonnie, and she's out there praying for the dead to be raised, praying over animals, you know, all kinds of stuff, just amazing, incredible things happening. Um, our student from Korea that's coming next week, uh, she's been in Korea for two or three years teaching. Um, she's coming back home to Canada as her home. But she was so encouraged by the school because she's been over there kind of alone trying to minister and pray for people. She's been out on the streets praying uh, for a long time. But when this school came along, it was just such an encouragement to find people of like mind and, and to, you know, to listen and to grow and to get back out on the streets. So there's that. And I just continue to get um, testimonies online. And, and sometimes I actually pick up the phone and call students. And they're just so transformed um, hearing, hearing Dan and Pastor Don. Um, and I just want to encourage you. I, I mean, I, I also hear somewhere, oh, no, school's ending. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I hear that, and I understand that. I went through that last, last year. But I can just assure you that if, if you just cling to him and spend that time with him, that's the most important part of this, the key to this. And you will find your life just daily being transformed. Um, you know, I know today I'm just like, I'm just so different. Um, because I have a confidence that I didn't have before. Um, I know who I am, and I can now, I've, I've prayed for the sick for a long time, but I just do it with such confidence and joy now. It's just, it's just become a, it's becoming a lifestyle. Um, you know, I went into Walmart the other day, and I didn't hardly get to the greeter. There's like 10 people that need prayer. It's, it's just, they're everywhere, you know. Go to a restaurant, and you know, it's just, it's everywhere. But God needs, um, needs wants us to step out and to and to just be um, his sons and daughters and just to, to love that is the key is love yeah. love 
just pray for more love and 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 just the transformation takes place and your heart your heart begins to be transformed and changed and and you know that's what we're about that's what we're about it's a beautiful thing so um, I just want to encourage you and bless you you've been a blessing to me all of you and um, you know I, I do um, have sort of a lot of hats on but I have found um, where I used to be so serious about everything and so regimented that I'm just having a blast I'm doing it with joy it's just joy in all of it and it's wonderful and uh, I just um, appreciate um, each one of you and just honored to be able to serve as administrator and do whatever I can so thank you for the time um, I'm 14 as well as Miranda is our youth group leaders very much encouraged us to do the school and as soon as I found out that it was open for me to do I begged my mom to let me go. And I'm telling you now, this was the best move I made all summer. This was the best move for my life. Because seven years ago, seven to eight years ago, I lost the person that I relied on the most to get me through things, to encourage me. And I thought all was lost. And God had been directing me in places in my life and helping me get through it. And I know if it wasn't for God, I honestly wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't be able to stand up here before you and just have a heart that is so thankful. And I thank you so much for opening this for us. My perspective on everything has changed since I've started this school. There's been times where things have come at me where I feel like there's like before I felt like there was no way I could get through it and now I'm realizing because I have God and everything and he's with me all the time I'm able to do everything through him and there's been situations things said and I'm le learning to live a life unoffendable living a life out of love getting rid of the selfishness living selfless and living for those around me and I want you to know that I love you all I may not know you personally but I do love you all because you mean so much to God and I'm learning to see people for the value that God has on their lives and it's just so amazing and I thank you all for being such an encouragement to my life. I just want to say something real quick. Um, I came here and I knew the information wouldn't be new. Mostly it wasn't. Some of it really was, Pastor Don, which was cool. Um, but, but I came here to be baked. Yeah, you know, like come here, like I got all the ingredients and I just want to be baked. And I've been getting baked, and it's good. It's good, you know, so I'm loving it. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been baked. I'm being baked here. Thank you, Lord, for it. You know, what's so cool is we come here, and I, I've said I've been in other situations where I wouldn't ask 
people for a Kleenex, let alone advice. And my first day at school, I saw Pastor Don, who I had only ever seen once before. And he, and he comes over and he sits right here on these steps. He said, come here, girl. He's not talking to me. He's talking to someone in his congregation. He said, come here, girl. I think I need a hug or whatever he said. And I saw that and I just saw the beauty in that and the love in that. And so I felt so safe here and so able to be baked, you know. And, and so where I want to give this away, sometimes, you know, I, I've told you, Pastor Don, I want to sometimes hit people, you know. <laughs> so it's a little bit less. It's a lot less because I'm coming at it with more love. Thank you very much, Lord. Thank you. Yeah, but what an example to be here and just to be baked. I'm, I'm just enjoying it. Um, I graduated in 2010, and I went up to college for one semester, and I felt like it was what God was leading me to. And that whole year, it was just the hardest it's ever been in my life, um, just like an inward struggle, and I feel like I have so much passion inside of me. Um, I've always had it, um, but last year this fear just came over me because I thought that I was doing what God wanted for me. I just, I have felt always that, um, I have like a really high calling and, um, I just don't know what to do with it. Um, and when I heard about this school, I was home for a couple months. I'd just been working and the first thing I thought is I'm not doing that because I'm just, I was scared to do anything. Um, I didn't want it to go wrong again, because it went really wrong when I went to college. And the first week I was here, I knew that it was good, you know. It was great, it was blowing my mind away. But just like a week ago, um, I've been waiting patiently for God to just tell me what my next step is or whatever, and I really feel like he's pressing it really hard in my heart right now, and, um, I just, I, sorry. I just, I'm not living in any fear anymore. Like, I know where I'm going, and, you know, even if I don't at times, like, I just know that I'm not scared anymore, and it's so weird. Because <laughs> I have been so scared this whole last year. And I know that God's going to place me where he wants me to. And I'm just so trying to hear his voice more. And, you know, he's speaking to me. And so I just want to say thank you for having this school. And um, I'm normally really independent. But every night before this school started, I'd go to bed the week before. And it'd just be like, School of Kingdom Living, School of Kingdom Living, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I need to work. I need to pay off my loans, da 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 I was like, okay, God, fine. So I came, and now I'm like, I just feel like I'm set free because I have no more fear about my future, and I just, it's just a
Actually, this is my second time through, so I'm really getting baked. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yay. Um, before I, uh, I even heard about Power and Love and, and the school, um, we were, I was in a prophetic round table. I was asked to be the mic runner. And I was sitting in, and we had a worship time before we even started, and the Lord uh, came to me, and I had a vision of me sitting in front of a shredder. And God was in, on the other side of the shredder, and he was just smiling. And I was sitting there shredding my Social Security card, my driver's license, my birth certificate, all my certifications, um, my high school, my college diploma, everything. And I got finished. I looked up at him like, okay, now what? And he said, now you're going to take on my identity. And to watch God move me into a place of where I was really broken. <laughs> Sorry. went through a hell like I never thought I would go through. And, uh, okay, give me one of these. <laughs> but I saw him walk me through it. I saw he had us, I mean, I watched him, even though it was like darkness all around. I knew to plug into him and say, this is one thing I know, is that about your character, <laughs> is that you love me and your love is never ending, and that you will take me through. And I, one day I was sitting there, I said, man, I feel like I'm in the middle of the forest and I can't see the other side. And he said, well, geez, just look around, it's beautiful. <laughs> And I looked around, and the one thing that he's showing me is the perspective of which we're looking at things, you know, how we're looking at things. And I stopped, and it was like all of a sudden I saw this forest, you know, the forest. And I went, wow, it really is beautiful in here, <laughs> you know. And he started showing me, giving me different perspectives, how to handle what I was going through and, and going through it with love. And then I came here, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, you know. He's just deepening that, that love aspect, that he is love. I, I saw his love just flowing through the situation, through me into, into uh, that situation that I was going through. And I just, I said, man, in, in here I'm just learning more about my identity. I thought I, I really lost who I was in, in the midst of all, the, all of life and, and just learning that, man, the kingdom of heaven is right here inside of me. And watching that, I think it's just amazing when you're out and, you're, and you get to pray for people, watching his love just flow out and I walk away more wrecked than I think they do sometimes because of the love and he's teaching us just through reaching out his love the love that he has for everyone it doesn't matter what they look like it doesn't matter who they are what I mean even just going to 
feed the homeless and those who are, don't have food. I mean, every time I go, it's like he shows me. He said, man, they're your brother. Man, they're your sister. You know, I'm just going, you know. And it's like, wrap my arms around him, you know. It's say, like, man, you're my brother. I love you. And, you know, I just, it's just amazing to walk in love and, and identity and uh, the kingdom, allowing that kingdom. Behold, I think this, it's amazing. Uh, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's such a, an amazing, radical, whew, you could just feel it when you just proclaim it. Amen. Amen. One word. Um, yeah, I came here mainly to not do anything while I was here except learn about identity and, and just bask in whatever God had and just take it in. I didn't want to work. I didn't want to strive to do things. And I just really, um, God has been showing me his love and his joy in a way I haven't seen before, that it's for me, and that um, he is consistent, he doesn't change, and um, and that his love is just constant, and um, I've never seen so strongly the power of God move through the speakers up here, and how they're so on target with so many things, and that song that just came to me was just where you go I, I go where you um, stay I'll stay what you pray I pray and I feel like God's he's he's faithful and he's with us and he will never leave and his presence is all around us and just to know that more we can walk wherever we can wherever we go he goes with us and we have authority and we have power and um, just to rest in that that's what I've really come to God just keeps teaching me just rest in my glory just rest in my presence just rest in my truth and in my love and um, I've just been really really blessed more than I could have I expected coming here um, I the first few weeks especially I just felt like I wasn't asking for it but it was like God was like pulling things off and I was like I didn't realize that I could change that quick like inside like I didn't realize that he would give me so much of himself so so quickly so um, just uh, I've been really blessed by this class and by God <laughs> this school has changed me so much over the last couple weeks um, I actually a couple couple days week or two ago actually Pastor Don pulled me out wanted to talk to me about how things were going um, I was actually, during the school, I've actually, I hit a point where I wasn't sure whether I believed in this stuff or not. Um, I've had a big up and down struggle with um, my belief system, not making it a system, you know, kind of like what Shane said. It's not about doing things a certain way, it's just about giving yourself, um, which I've had a real problem because I've said I've given myself and I'll appear to give myself but it's really like a covering, it's a mask. And even last night, I was outside doing my thing, I was singing, 
listening to music and an uh, overwhelming sense of peace came over me, um, which doesn't happen to me often because um, actually I have a lot of uh, issues. I have sleeping problems, waking up in the middle of the night, and hot cold sweats, nightmares, flashbacks, things like that. Um, I didn't really let go of my past, although um, I've proclaimed that I've let go of my past, but it's still one of those things that have kind of held me back um, for years. And it's actually strained my relationship with my adoptive parents. I was adopted when I was nine. It's, it, it's put a struggle on not only my relationship at home, but my relationships everywhere else. Um, before this school, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I kind of stayed to myself. Um, kind of quiet and shy. During the school, I actually made a whole bunch of different friends here, people that I can, I can go to and share things, and I don't have to be afraid of what they'll think of me. You know, they'll just, they'll just share their heart with me, give me their advice on particular things. Um, it's just been a blessing, and I want to thank Pastor Don again. I know a lot of us youth have already come to you and said thank you, but. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to come and learn and be a part of this school because um, I think without this school, um, I probably would have reverted back to some of my old lifestyle, which was um, a lot of bad things. Um, I used to cut and do things such as such destructive behavior. It's not funny. And the school has kind of brought out even more in my servant's heart. I'm a big... I, I love I love helping out around the church. I love serving people. It, it's just something that I love doing. And this whole school experience has kind of brought that out of me. Whether it be helping somebody with advice, helping set down and tear up the tables every week, just little things like that has been amazing for me to be able to to sow seed in other people's lives, especially my friends, because. Most of my friends are actually, I guess you could call them the outcasts of society. Where I was, I was a um, lonely little kid that used to cut himself. And now I'm reaching out to people that have those same problems. Reaching out to people who, who don't think they have a way out, basically. Which is how I felt for years, even after I gave my life to the Lord. Because I was on a roller coaster, which isn't how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a straight track, you know. It's not a roller coaster Christianity. It's not. It's just a straight, just putting your trust in Him, which is is amazing. And I'm I'm finally learning how to do that, putting my trust in someone else instead of putting it all on me, because I've had a real big problem with uh, trust, not trusting other people with things, trying to put everything all on me, doing it all on my own, and it hasn't worked out, especially, especially at home. <laughs> so I just want to thank you again for letting me be a part of this amazing experience. We're going to do Rachel, and then we'll get, we'll get rolling back into some things. Okay, I just um, first and foremost need to say thank you to Pastor Don and our church leadership. Um, I look at Pastor Don as a dad. Um, yeah, I don't even want to get on that because that don't make me ball. But um, 
so I love you very much. Um, but with that being said, this class has done so much for me because I've always had a servant's heart. I could go out and help anyone out there. Um, but I needed to do work on me. And that's what this class really has done for me because um, over the past year in January, I was going through a really tough separation. Um, and prior to that, actually, let me backtrack, I was an alcoholic up until June of last year. Um, finally, June of last year, I, I gave it to the Lord. I said, you gotta do something with this because I was a functional alcoholic, nobody would know. Um, and so I finally said, you know what, you gotta take this away from me. Um, thank God he did. I, but with that being said, Ju January of um, 2011, I was going through a really tough separation. In the midst of that, April 1st, he committed suicide. Um, leaving me with a six-year-old, a four-year-old, well, he's not even four, he's three, and a two-year-old boy. Um, so with just the pressures of life in general and just my whole life being completely turned upside down, I was meeting with Pastor Lori. She was my mentor. And we were talking, and she's telling me about the school, and I'm like, I can't do that. I've got so much going on, there's no way. And I kept saying, no, no, no. I had my, you know, public education that I'm in, and I'm like, I can't do it. Um... And one night I'm sitting out front, my kids are out front playing in like the parking lot and I'm sitting there just thinking, all I could think of was drinking. I'm like, I gotta go get a bottle of wine. My day wasn't bad or anything, it was great, you know? And all I kept thinking was, I gotta drink, I gotta drink. Like for some reason I was consumed with these thoughts. So I go to bed angry, hadn't drank, I didn't drink, thank God. But I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like, you know, I made it through the suicide, I made it through the past couple of months, all of a sudden now it's hitting me, like really? And so I go to bed just crying, completely feeling lost. The next morning I wake up and my sister, Bobby, was in this class and I called her bawling and I'm like, I've lost me. I don't know who I am anymore. My kids, I couldn't parent anymore. Um, all I was doing was screaming at them, you know, threatening to beat them every time they turned around. And I'm like, what do I do? And all I could hear was kingdom living, kingdom living. So I called her and I was like, Bobby, I've got to get to class. I was like, you know, I wonder if they'll let me in. You know, I didn't even register, blah, blah. So long story short, here I am today. And I thank God for it because it has done so much in me and helped me be a better mom. Like I still struggle in a lot of areas in parenting, but receiving the love that God has for me and knowing that no matter how much I screw up, he still loves me and that's unconditional, is allowing me to put that in with my children. And when they spill their milk or they throw their food at the dinner table, I don't have to freak out. I can understand it's a growing process and love them through it. So the school is phenomenal and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be in it. Okay, we're going to slide it right there. Wow. Thanks, guys, for just sharing your hearts. Uh, wow. Like, I think 17 times I wanted to jump up and hug somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all feel that? You know, it's like, oh, come here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it is pretty amazing. There's a whole lot of truth that's coming forth. And to me, that's like a really, really neat thing. You know, one of the things, and I'll tell you something, we, we've quoted a scripture, the truth will set you free. The fact of the matter is the truth won't set you free. And that may stagger you, but you need to understand something. You're a drug addict. Truth was still there. Truth didn't set you free. It's the truth you know that'll set you free. Do you understand what I just said? And the word there, when Jesus says, and you'll know the truth, the word know there, there's two different Greek words that we translate know. That one means experientially. So it's actually the truth you experience. 
The truth you put on sets you free. Truth was there all along. You were a drug addict for 17 years. You know what? For 17 years, truth was available, right? Truth didn't set you free. You were still a drug addict. It's not until you came to know the truth. That's why Jesus said, you'll know the truth experientially, and then that truth can set you free. Do you understand that? So that's pretty huge because the fact of the matter is what I kept hearing over and over is people being set free. To me, that's an awesome thing because we're gaining truth. We're getting that. And then what I love about it is the truth that it's just like Deb was sharing about her, her, her mom speaking with them is that is everything you can't pour out what you don't have. You know, I'd love to give you all a million dollars, but I can't. I don't have it to give. You'd love to get it. <laughs> but, but the truth is, if we don't have it, we can't give it. Everybody understand what I just said? Can't give what you ain't got, right? But if you have it, now you have a place to pour it out, and it begins to come out of us, and that's what we want. What, what my greatest desire for every one of you that, that have come through this and, and, are, and are experiencing transformation in your life is that six months from now, that's just the natural pouring out. It's, it's, it, you know what's cool? And it's just like Bobby Joe was sharing a little while ago, and she's talking about four of us at a swimming pool. I think it was at a swimming pool, right? At a swimming pool, and here comes a little boy. Would you pray? And it's not, well, geez, what do we do? How do we think? It's just the natural response. Let's pray. Come on, it's God. God can take care of this. It's natural to think that way. I want you to walk naturally supernatural. I, I hope that makes sense. We walk naturally supernatural because it's what's in us. Some things you just don't even have to think about, right? Some things just ought to just come natural. For years, I was a drywall contractor, right? So I don't have to think about doing drywall. It just comes natural. As a matter of fact, some of the, some of the greatest revelations that I've ever had in my life and some of the, even some, like I'll say this, some of the best messages that I ever felt were developed in my heart came while I was finishing drywall. You know why? Because it was natural for me. I didn't even have to think about finishing drywall. It just comes natural. So you're slapping mud on the wall and you're doing what you do. And you don't even think about it because it's just natural. That's the way our walk with God ought to be. So you're, so you're, oh, it just, it, it just ought to be the outflow. Somebody comes to you with, and they're, and they're sharing about where their life's at. And all of a sudden you're, what we used to, can I go here? What we used to do was hug them and sympathize with them and feel bad for them. Right? And love on them and feel like we're stroking them a little bit and tell them it's going to be okay. But now we won't respond that way anymore. Because now we're so full of truth, we can just pour truth into them. And now, I, I'm, I'm, I may feel bad for you, but I feel I'm going to love you enough to speak truth to you because your situation can change. Do you understand that you are in the process of becoming the answer to someone else's prayer? Isn't that a great thought? Like, that's amazing. God, send somebody, and here you are. <laughs> Come on. And that's a great day. Can I talk to you real plain? Because I know this works this way in the body of Christ. We'll, we'll be with somebody, and they're in crisis. Our immediate thought, our first thought, I wish the pastor was here. He'd know what to say. I wish Dan was here. He'd know what to say. Oh, if only Todd was here, we could take care of this. Yeah. And now, watch this. Because of what's happening in your life and the transformation, now there's a crisis, and you go, ta-da, I'm here. <laughs> the kingdom of God has come because it's in you. Are you getting that? Yeah. And that's what's going to happen, and you'll find. And here's what's really, really cool, is once you start pouring out into other people's life, it becomes, can I say this? It's a thrill. 
Is it okay to say that? It's a thrill. It's like, come on, you had to have an, you pray for this little boy and his leg straightens out and grows out and everything. It's like, and then it grew out too far and you had to pray God to move it back. <laughs> I love that stuff, right? Okay. But watch this. When you see that, when you experience it, and it's not like I watched somebody else do it. I was a part of that. Does that make sense? Amen. There's an adrenaline rush to that. I don't care who you are. And I don't care how many times you do it, it never leaves. It's like the greatest thrill in the world. And when that happens, you know what it does? It fuels something inside of you. Come on, you prayed for a short leg and it grew out. Guess what you're doing? Looking for a limp. <laughs> you're like a bulldog. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on, I dare you, limp. Come on. You know, <laughs> it's like you're, you're looking for that. That's like fun. Brand, did you remember when we did the uh, Activate Your Faith conference? Because we went to Walmart. There was me and you and a whole bunch. I can't remember. But these girls, man, I mean, we were in a, it was a, before Power and Love was a big thing. We did an Activate Your Faith conference here at the church. And it was Pastor Dan and Todd and Jared Roddy, I believe. Jared was a part of that. And we just had an amazing time with that. But we took out groups in different places. We went to, we went to South Hanover Walmart. I had her, and I can't remember who else was with us. It was about three or four of you girls. And, and I'm telling you, I stood back and laughed because I didn't pray for anybody. They're like, they're like this. <laughs> They're on a mission. Cain. <laughs> and they're ready because there's an excitement with that. We're going to go get them. You know what I mean? Why? Because we were seeing God do stuff. And once you see God do stuff, it, it, it accelerates everything inside of you. You're, you're anxious for the next thing. To me, that's an amazing day. So we watch those kind of things happen. And it is so fun. We're in pursuit to see God do more. I believe with everything in my heart. That's where we need to live and walk. I want to be an outflow of the kingdom of God. A conduit. An open gate. Heaven flows through me. You know what? I, I say this a lot. And I speak to the local church about it. And I'll talk to you about this real clear. You've got you've to speak to yourself that way. There's nothing wrong with you getting up in the morning. Looking in the mirror and going, you're an open gate, man heaven's gonna flow through you today people will be blessed today because you walked into their life you need to believe that about yourself there's a place where you need to believe that about yourself oh you're gonna be a blessing today man (laughs) come on Do do you understand come on watch this hear this the right way you're going out there and you're gonna love the hell out of people hear that the right way right okay Oh, you've got to believe that about who you are and what God's doing in you. David did that. David spoke to him. You know, David talked to himself all the time. You know that, right? Watch this. Psalm 103. What's it say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who's he talking to? Come on, my mind, my will, and my emotions. Bless the Lord. He's speaking to himself. Over and over you'll find David speaks to himself. Why? Because I, I, I believe, watch this, if death and life are in the power of your tongue, you ought to be speaking life over yourself. Amen. You can Amen. prophesy over your own life. You don't have to look for somebody to prophesy over. Prophesy over you. <sighs> it's a good day. And you just start speaking into yourself. You know what I mean? Come on. And that's a huge day.
Okay? Listen, I'm going to cover a couple of questions that have come in from the internet, and then we're going to talk about some things. I actually want to walk us through some things. We're going to, we're going to, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of things in my heart today. It's probably my last day with you, but I think we're going to go to Second Chronicles 20. I'm not sure, but I think that's where we're going to go. Okay? But let me cover just a couple quick questions. This question came in from, uh, from the internet. It's, uh, um, I don't want to read the whole thing. There's a lot of it. Uh, let me come down to this part. I love God and His Word, but even so, there are some things that don't seem to jive with everything, uh, everything that's being said. I'm struggling patiently pursuing truth, and the thing is, I see a lot of commentary from God and the apostles in the New Testament about works. And he quotes a verse from Revelations chapter 2, verse 23. Everybody okay with that? So turn to Revelations 2, because you can't read verse 23 alone. You've got to understand the context that it's written in. How many know, anytime you read a verse and you're trying to study a verse, you've got to go a couple verses above and a couple verses below to understand. If you take a text, you've got to read it in the context of that text. Anytime we just pull a single verse out, we can get twisted with what he's saying. So I want you to go to Revelations 2. He quotes from verse 23, I will kill her. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I'll give unto every one of you according to your works. On this verse above, it's the words of Christ in red from heaven talking to the church, the called out ones, the redeemed ones, threatening, threatening kill them. What's up with that? He's not talking to the church there. Okay, watch this. I'm going to take you back and watch what he's saying. If you go to Revelations chapter 2, all right, let's start at verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. Okay, he's talking to the angel of the church of Thyatira. Everybody knows the angel there means messenger. Everybody okay with that? It's the messenger of the church of Thyatira. Okay, all right. Now, what should he say? Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because you suffered that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. How many know what he's talking about now? He's talking about unrepentant teachers. Jezebel was a teacher. I won't even get into all that. There's a spirit behind all that. And we're, not gonna, we're not even going to go into that because what I find, can I talk to you about something I think is real important? I've watched a lot of people in the body of Christ, and I struggle with this idea. I know it's a prevalent idea in the church. I'm, I, I don't like it. I'm just going to be real honest with you. But we're going around trying to name all kind of spirits. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the spirit of Apollyon. That's the spirit of Jezebel. That's the spirit of whatever. And, and sometimes I get a little frustrated with that because you know what? I don't think we need to go out and label everything. Frankly, he gave you power over spirits. Does it say that? Right? So you know what? Here's what I believe. I believe when Jesus was casting out devils, he didn't have to find out who they were and what their names were. I know that at one point we have legion, right? Everybody. So that's kind of become a hobby horse. But I can tell you something. I find that Jesus cast out a whole lot of devils. And when you have power over, come on, somebody was quoting Luke's 10, 19. I can't even remember who it was. It was Deb, wasn't it? Yeah, Luke 10, 19 was a text scripture. What's it say? Behold, I give you power. That first word's exousia. It means authority. Behold, I give you authority over all the power that's dunamis of the devil, right? So what he's saying is, behold, I give you power. Tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do you have, do you have authority over demons? Do you? Do you? Yes. Or is it just them? It is you. Because the kingdom's in you. So he gives you authority over that. That's a place where we walk in that authority. Okay, so I won't even get into all, all the naming things and all that because I don't think that's absolutely necessary. But what he's saying is uh, he gave her a space to repent and she repented not. Behold, I'll cast her into a bed and then they commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. What's he saying? If they repent, there's no punishment. But if they don't repent, what's he saying? What's he saying? 
There's a judgment. What's the judgment? I'll kill her. That's, the, I'll, I'll, that's what it says. Watch this. And I will kill her children with death. What's he talking about? It's a second death. He's talking about the second death. What's that? There's a natural death, and then there's a spiritual death. He's talking about the second death. Death and hell were cast what? Into the lake of fire. That's the second death. Everybody okay with what I'm saying? And that's what he's speaking about there. He's simply saying that is in a place where people refuse to repent, there's a second death. Right? Everybody okay with what I just said? We need to understand that. Watch this. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Anybody understand what I just said? Because it's kind of a neat parallel there. If you're born once, that's in the physical. What? Except a man be what? Born again twice. Right? Born once, die twice. Natural death and then an eternal death. Born twice, what? Born in the, of, of water and the Spirit. Everybody follow what I just said? Born twice, die once. You'll die a natural death, but you'll live forever. Does anybody understand that? Because that's huge, right? And that's really what he's speaking about right there. Now, when the question came about the works, so let me cover that. He says, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. So there's a question then about the works, and that's what he raised, okay? Um, What's the thing about works? Because we talk, it's all about faith. What about works? How many know James says, come on, faith without works is dead, being alone. Now watch this. I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by faith, but if I have faith, won't works naturally follow? Right? I'm going to live this thing. I'm going to flow. Watch what I was saying earlier. I'm going to be a gate of heaven. Works going to come from that. Why? Because faith is being activated in my life. How many know the greater amount of faith, works are going to follow? It's just going to naturally happen. I'm not saved by my works, but I will be rewarded by my works. How many understand? Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. Is there going to be different rewards in heaven? What's that look like? Is there going to be different rewards in heaven? Absolutely. He said, I'm going to give every man according as his works shall be. Okay, so watch this. The guy on his deathbed gives his heart to Jesus and, and 24 hours later dies. Is he going to heaven? Why? He lived that whole life like that. Nope. He gave his life to Christ. That's what matters. Y'all follow what I just said? He's going to heaven. But here's a guy who got saved when he was eight years old, gave his life to the mission field, went out, did great exploits for the Lord, you know, and, and just submitted and surrendered his whole life. Different works, right? Different reward. I'm not sure what all that's going to look like. Are they both going to be in the same heaven? Absolutely. How many have heard of the seven heavens? You know what I mean? There's no seven heavens. That's a TV show. Okay. <laughs> okay. But who's ever heard Paul said, I got caught up into what? The third heaven? Has that ever confused anybody? Let me help you with that. It's real simple. When he talks about being caught up into the third heaven, if you look up into the sky, right? There's the atmospheric heaven okay? Then you look up into the sun where the stars are in the middle of the night, right? That's the, the, where, where the Milky Way, you can look through a telescope, right? You can see all the different planets and all those kind of things. That's called the stellar heaven. That's the second heaven. Then the third heaven, when Paul says, I got caught up into the third heaven, that's the home where God abides. That's what, the, that's what he says when I got caught up into the third heaven. That's the reference that he's making there. Everybody clear with that? So you've got the atmospheric heaven, the stellar heaven, and then heaven, the abode of God. Pretty cool, huh? You all right with that? Just if that clears anything up, that's a good day then. Okay? So, so the question, and it was a question for Pastor Dan. I'm just saving him time, and I answered it for him. Okay? Yeah. Here's another question that comes in from a guy named Mike Kraft. And Michael, I believe Michael's a pastor, if I remember right. I've read some stuff from him. Um, 
He says, I'm running a bit behind on the classes. If this doesn't fit into what you're teaching, I totally understand. I would love, you, love to hear you teach some on joy. In the church, we have a lot of knowledge. And in class, we're gaining a great revelation of love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, right? Everybody okay with that? The joy of the Lord is our strength, and His presence is fullness of joy. Everybody okay with that? Right? I know a lot of Christians who love the Lord, but I know very few who experience joy. In part, we confuse happiness, which comes from outward happenings, with joy, which flows from the inside out. We try to walk by faith, working through love, but the expression on our faces almost always lacks a joy in the faith we profess. Why is this? You seem to have found a way to live in love and joy. A lot of us are looking for that in our relationship with God. I think a lack of joy in our relationship has led to legalism and religion and is a major reason why our love grows cold over time. We receive the word with joy. When trials and tribulations come, we seem to lose it. How do we get back and maintain the joy that sustains our faith? Isn't that a great question? Come on, because we ought to walk in joy, right? Come on, man. I'm like happy and it's not my fault. Okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's a place where we walk in that and that, and that joy is the outward expression of our relationship with God. I, I, I think one of the things that we need to understand, and this is a huge phrase, and I love the question because he quotes several of the scriptures that if he hadn't quoted them would have been my response in his presence is fullness of joy. When am I not in his presence? I think I got a promise that he's with me always. You know what I mean? So there's a place where I walk in that. And there's a place where, where watch this, I understand it. Because he says, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isn't that cool? So here's the deal. The idea of walking in joy comes from this. I live with this phrase. God has a great way of working things out. You can walk in joy when you're a dead man. Why? Because a dead man got no problems. You understand what I just said? Come on. Here's the deal. One of the things that I found, and I believe this, and, and you got to understand something, because we can all relate to stress and all these other kind of things. You know, we talk about the stress of life and all those kind of things. And, and you can imagine, and I'll talk to you from a pastor's heart, imagine all the different responsibilities that come with this house. You know what I mean? And you've got payrolls and you've got all kind of things and budgets. And, and I won't get into all that kind of stuff, but there's those kind of pressures. And there's the pressures of all, trying to meet needs with people and trying to touch people's lives. And it seems like the phone's always ringing. And at the end of class, I'll have seven voicemails and five text messages. And there's all the kind of stuff that could pull on you if you allow it. Here's the deal. One of the things is you have to purpose in your own heart. Here's the thing. And, and I love this. This is probably one of the greatest freeing things for me is... I I learned the idea of it's not my life to live. When you understand that it's not your life to live, there's a place where you're just walking out truth and you're saying, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm just going to continue to let God flow through my life. And even when there's things that I don't understand, I don't know how many times I've come to the Lord and said, wow, God, you better do something about this. And I just step back because I know it's out of my control. Probably one of the things that we fretted more about than anything were things that were beyond our control anyway. If it's outside of your control, step back. God, this is yours. I can't deal with this. You've got to deal with this. And there's a place where we learn that. Um, There's a place where you can get free from. Here's a, a really, really neat phrase that God dropped in my heart years ago. And I love this. You set me free from Egypt. Now set me free from me. I just think that's a huge word. 
you set me because Egypt was a type of sin and I don't know if y'all understand the whole analogy of Moses and the children of Israel but you set me free from Egypt so now set me free from me I think that's a huge phrase okay once you're free from you joy is just going to happen but probably part of the greatest problem is that we haven't gotten free from ourselves yet I really believe that the byproduct of our joy is being walking in a freedom and a liberty that we haven't understood because we're not free from ourselves yet. We've allowed a lot of stuff to cause us stress. We've allowed a lot of stuff to cause us anxiety that wasn't ours to deal with. I'm going to teach you on that in the next part of the class. Actually, I'm going to go there. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I won't do it now. We'll do it after the break. And hopefully, it'll talk to some uh, and express to Michael some about the joy. But who knows? There's a place where you can walk in joy no matter what's going on around you. We're going to talk about that when we come back, okay? All right. Take a break because Sue's standing back there and kind of flagging me. So uh, take a break. We'll come back when all the music does whatever it does, and we'll do what we're supposed to do when the bell rings, and we're going to have a great time. It says, eat the fat, drink the sweet. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm going to tell you something, man. There's an amazing phrase to that, the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is a place where we can walk in joy all the time. Joy is not based on your circumstances. It's not based on what's going on around you. It's based on your identity. So if this is a school where we're focusing on identity, then you know what happens? The stronger I get in my identity, the greater my joy ought to be. Does that make sense? Come on, there's a place where we can walk in joy. There's some, there's some joyful people in your life. You know some people that are, there's some joyful people, right? You know what? Who knows some really good Christian people but they seem like the saddest people on the planet. Come on. I went to Battle Creek, Michigan, and one of the ladies that was uh, uh, in our church, she was uh, kind of a, she had an an officer's position. And uh, when I first came and I'd look at her, she scared me. (laughs) I just, like I was always like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Because she just was like this all the time. And she, she had bullfrog fever. (laughs) That's what I thought of all the time. I'd look at her. She looked like a bullfrog. And, and she just looked so sad all the time. I thought, man, you got baptized in pickle juice. This is just sour. It's just wrong. And, 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 and that's crazy. Jimmy Turner is a real good friend of mine. He'd pastored for years. He was in Elwood City. If you know where Elwood City is, it's out in the western side of the state. And Jimmy and I were talking, and he had a guy that was in his church and, uh, and just one of them real long-faced, very sour people. Just sour all the time. Just seemed like he was just... You ever meet somebody that seems like they're mad at the world? This guy was just mad at the world. And uh, Jimmy told him, he said, man, you need Jesus. He said, I got religion. <laughs> he said, I can feel it burning right in here. Jimmy looked at him and said, man, that ain't religion. That's indigestion. A couple roll aids, you'll be all right. There's a place where, where, can I say this? I believe that God's people ought to be filled with joy. That would be the most joyful people on the planet. Can I say that the world ought to want what you got? But we haven't always presented that way, have we? As a matter of fact, sometimes the world looks at the church and says, man, I don't want none of that. We've painted a picture of if you come to Jesus, this is what you've got to give up. Who knows that's truth? 
Come on, you know that's true. I know that when I first got saved, when I first got born again, they gave me the list. Who got the list? You're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do this, not allowed to go there. You can't say this, and don't you dare talk like that. <laughs> Come on. And we got the list of everything you're not allowed to do and everywhere you're not allowed to go and everything you're not allowed to say and everything. Come on. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I'm going to tell you. And I want to say this the right way. I was in, a, was in an organization, and, and, and a great, great bunch of people. Incredible salvation message, great message on baptism of the Holy Spirit, very, very strong group, and holiness people. And how many know we still are called to be holiness people? But there's a line between holiness and legalism. And I'm just going to leave that alone, right? But we, lended, we, we, we leaned a little toward the legalistic side. I guess if you're going to err in one direction or the other, I'd rather err to the side of legalism if that makes any sense to anybody. And if it doesn't, don't worry about it. But here's where I'm at. In the process of that, I'm preaching in the state convention, huge crowd, and I'm preaching. And I said, I am born again, and I am so excited because I can do anything I want to do now. And the whole place, they'd been shouting earlier. They got quiet. I can do anything I want to do now. It's going to please God. And they got real quiet because there was the list. They were list people. Don't hear that wrong, but there was a lot of lists. How could you say you can do anything you want when you, you got? And I said, because Jesus changed all my want tos. Do you understand what I just said? He changed all my want tos. So the things I want to do now are pleasing to him. Does that make sense to anybody? There's a reason to be happy. There's a reason to have joy, right? Because he's changed my life radically. So watch this. In the process of that, when we start to understand this concept of living and walking in joy, there's a place for that because I know my identity. There's a joy that comes with that. It's a natural byproduct of knowing who you are in Christ. I want to take you through what I think is a really neat Old Testament situation, but there's New Testament paradigms in it. Does everybody understand when I say that? Like I know a lot of people don't even deal at all. They want to deal at all with the Old Testament, but there is so much truth there. It was the schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. I understand all that, but in that there's incredible truths that can be revealed as we un, un, unfold the nuggets that are there. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Did y'all go first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first yeah. and second Chronicles? Okay, <laughs> come on. Because we have a way of finding those Old Testament books, right? Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, you shouldn't judge anybody, but Joshua judges Ruth. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> come on. There's just ways to remember that stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. Go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Some incredible truths here, okay? We're in a time of the divided kingdom. I don't know how much of you folks are pretty good on Old Testament history or what's going on. It's, it's divided kingdom. There's judge, it's just an incredible time. Jehoshaphat is over Judah. Let's look, okay? It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. Okay, or throughout all Judah. I'm sorry, throughout all Judah. Everybody see where we're at? Okay, now watch this. It's kind of cool. What just happened is several of the alien kings got together, right? And they're going to surround Judah. Jehoshaphat is in charge and when word comes to him you have just been surrounded and you are incredibly outnumbered right 
Jehoshaphat feared, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Who wouldn't understand that? You know, there's a place where he said, well, you know, we're told not to fear. There's a place where, but he's just got this word, so this comes upon him. And what's the first thing he do? What he does? He sets his heart to seek God and calls the people, let's fast. Somebody just talked about fasting for the first time. Was it Kelly? Kelly? And what happens? Answers to prayer come. There's incredible New Testament truth here, right? Jesus, do you understand? Jesus outlays the three duties of a Christian in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. If you read Matthew, right, 5, 6, and 7, who knows, that's the, that's the Sermon on the Mount. He says, he didn't say if you pray, he says when you pray. He doesn't say if you give, he says when you give. He doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. Why? These were three duties of the Christian. Everybody see that? So we ought to understand that part of our, part of our identity as a son, as a child, as, a, as, as walking in the kingdom of God is that we should be praying, fasting, and giving. That's right. Because he didn't say if you do, he said when you do. Good word, right? So Jehoshaphat, in understanding who he is, he calls the people. He says, we're going to fast. Everybody fast. Now, when they go on a fast in Old Testament times, I'm going to tell you something. They didn't feed their dogs or cats either. They didn't feed nobody, not, nothing. I mean, none of the animals, none of the, everything went on a fast when they went on a fast. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You ought to put your spaniel on a fast. Okay. <laughs> Here's the deal. Watch this. This is kind of cool, okay? So it sets them all up to fast, okay? Proclaim to fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thing? Who was here the night we did Heaven's Rain? Anybody here? We need to do about 100 more of them a year. <laughs> like that's an amazing time. We, we, we just got everybody together to come into the sanctuary. Had worship team got on the platform, and they just began playing. It was just, it was open worship. We called it Heaven's Rain. And it's just an amazing time. I could tell you something, man. We're going to do several more of those throughout the year. But to me, that's just a great time. Where everybody just comes, let's just seek God individually all over. Let's see if God speaks. And maybe somebody just shares a word. God's speaking through them. You know what I mean? It's just, I see the New Testament church float in that. Yeah. If I can see the church in the book of Acts, it seems to me they just got together. Let's just pray, seek God. Let's just stay on our faces before the Lord. Let's worship and see what God says. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Like no agenda. Yeah. Imagine having church with no agenda. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. But it's just amazing. Now watch. I'll show you this. They come to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven? Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who did drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to thy seed, to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil comes upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine we stand before this house and in thy presence for thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our affliction then thou will hear and help can you catch the beginning of his prayer this is an amazing prayer by the way it's the prayer of Jehoshaphat you got to understand something he is responsible he feels the weight and the responsibility for every one of the people of Judah do you understand that Divided kingdom, y'all, okay, ten nations to the north, two nations to the south. Y'all follow that tribes, okay? And here's what happens. 
He's feeling the weight of that. And he turns his heart toward the Lord and he says, God, you're our God. There comes a place where you need to understand. I want to say this, but Jehoshaphat didn't struggle with who he was. He didn't struggle with who his people were. He knows, God, you're our God. Can I go here? You're not their God. You're our God. They're not serving you. We are. Remember David as he stands before a a giant, young boy, military giant, right? And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? You got to understand something. David was talking about covenant there. All David was talking about when he called him an uncircumcised Philistine was, I'm a man with covenant. He might be a giant, but he's a giant with no covenant. And a little man with covenant is bigger than a giant with no covenant. Do y'all understand that? When you understand your identity and you understand who you are, there's a place, watch this, where you're, where, where you're aligning yourself and you're saying, you know what? I ought to be blessed because I'm a man with covenant. I ought to be blessed because I'm a man with covenant. The blessing of God flows in my life because I'm a man with covenant. I'm not a man in a position praying from a place of fear and worry and stress. I'm a man with covenant speaking to mountains, and mountains have to move. That just gets me. You got to understand this. You should expect to be blessed. Oh, that was a good word right there. You ought to expect to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. That's part of that looking in the mirror. You're a blessed man. And you're pretty. (laughs) There's a place where you ought to just expect to be blessed. Does that make sense to say that? I I preached a couple weeks ago on expecting to succeed. I have an expectation of success, not an expectation of failure. I'm not wired to fail. Failure doesn't work for me. I'm not wired to fail. I expect to be blessed. I expect success. There ought to be an expectation of success in every one of your hearts. Why? Because you know your identity. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Come on. You've got you to be able to answer that and know that. That's a big word to me. Jehoshaphat turns his face toward the Lord. He's like surrounded. You've got to understand something. They're outnumbered. If you could do the numbers, I think it was somewhere like seven to one. Right? They're highly outnumbered. And in the process of that, he's looking around. And he said, but wait a minute, God. We're your kids. Aren't you the God that brought you? We know who you are. You're, you're our God. When he's saying, art thou not our God? He's not asking a question. He's kind of saying, hey, wait a minute. I know who I am. I know who you are. So he's bringing all this stuff out. And he's saying, wait a minute. I know who I am. You're God. You gave this land to Abraham, thy friend, forever. We dwell here. And you said, when evil comes, if we cry out, you're going to hear and help. So, hey, we're crying out. Who's ever prayed that way? Come on. Who's ever done this? God, you said. You know what's a good thing? He says, remind me of my word. There's a, I quote scripture. To God. Do you guys quote scripture to God all the time? Like I, I quote scripture to God a lot. I said, God, your word said, and I'm just claiming the promise. Why? Because I think we have a right to remind him of his word. Come on, who is God that he should lie? Come on, if God said this is what you can ask for and expect, guess what? Ask for it and expect it. 
Does that make sense? There's a place where we just ask God and we expect. There's an expectation. Jehoshaphat is now praying with expectation. That's incredible right there. There's a place where you've got to pray with expectation. Watch this. Strong word, but I want you to see this. Verse 10. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come and cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given to us to inherit. They've come against us to drive us out, and God, you said we could have it. If you said that we could have it and they're trying to take us from it, something's wrong here. Whose side do you think God's on? Is there a place where you begin to believe in your own life that God's actually on your side? Come on. There's a place where you just got to believe. Wait a minute. Come on. We quote the scripture, but we got to live the scripture. Not just quote the scripture, live it. If God be for me, who could be against me? Come on, God's for me. That's why I have an expectation of success. That's why I'm not wired to fail, because God can't fail. Because God is love, and love never fails. (laughs) You got it? Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah, come on, and he's for me, and he's not against me. Probably one of the greatest revelations in my life was that I really, really began to believe that God was actually for me and not against me. Who lived with the idea God was mad at him? Did you live for a while with the idea God was mad at you? Do you ever live like that? All I ever do is disappoint God. He must be so disappointed in me. Get that mindset out of your head. That comes straight from hell. He loves me. Really, really, really cool revelation. Actually, one of the girls from the church uh, went out and actually took a picture, framed it for me. It's act- if you come in the doors over by the office and you come, there's a desk there, and it's actually in a little frame sitting on a the, on the table there. Um, but one of the coolest visions I ever had in my life. And I don't get a lot of visions, but this was something I was, I'm actually walking through a field of flowers. They're everywhere. And I'm looking, and, and there's daisies. They're everywhere. They're beautiful daisies. When Lori and I got married, we got married. It was daisies. That, that was the flower in our wedding. It was all daisies. And they were different colored. Who was in the 70s, multi, uh, the, the rainbow weddings? Anybody get a, any, any of y'all remember the rainbow weddings? We had a rainbow wedding. You know what I mean? And, and it was all the different colors, blue and purple and pink and yellow and green, I think, were the five. That's pretty good. I remember that. 32 years today. Okay? <laughs> today. Yeah. Yeah. But here's what's happening. In that I'm walking through all these daisies everywhere. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, go ahead. And I looked, and I'm looking up, and he says, no, go ahead. And I bent down, and I picked a daisy out of the ground. And when I did, it only had one petal. And he said, okay, go ahead. And I pulled it and said, he loves me. He said, that's it, end of story. No more petals. No more petals. He loves me. That's it. It's the end of the story. He loves me. There's no more petals. It's not he loves me, he loves me not. It's just he loves me. Isn't that a great day? When you come to the revelation of, hey, he loves me. It's a no-brainer. So she went out, had a bunch of daisies in her flower bed, and she pulled petals off of one, all but one petal. And then she took a picture of this group of daisies with one, with one petal. So it sits out there just as a reminder to me of his love for me. Isn't that amazing? That's like a great day. It's a great day when you know he loves me. It's the end of the story. I, I love this idea, and please hear this. God loves you, and you can't mess that up. What if I don't do well? His love for you is not performance-based. Please hear that. 
If you don't hear anything else, hear that. His love for you is never performance-based. Your mom's love for you, your dad's love for you, it could be based by performance because men have the potential to fail. God can't fail. His love for you is never based on your performance. His love for you, watch this. I'm going to say something to you that I think is amazing. God doesn't have love. He is love. If you have love, it could be depleted. If you are love, it can. Does that make sense? Look, he's never going to run out. You can't mess up God's love. What if I go out and kill 17 people? God's going to hate what you did but still love you. He has the ability to separate the sin from the sinner. Does that make sense? So, So watch this. I don't like what you're doing, but I love you. There's never a day when God's not going to love you. Isn't that a good thing to know? His love never fails. He'll love you. Watch this. You don't know as a pastor how many times I've had people with all the arguments. Because you get all the arguments. How could a loving God send someone to hell? Who's ever heard that? How could a loving God send someone to hell? God loves you enough to give you a choice. And if you choose not to serve him, and if you choose to live your life for yourself, and if you choose to live and walk in that arena, then what you're doing is you're choosing to spend eternity in hell, and he loves you enough to honor your choice. Do you understand what I just said? He loves you enough to honor the choice that you made with your life. If that's the choice you made, I love you enough to let you do that. And he prodded you the whole time, and he pricked your heart and said, please don't make that choice. Please don't do that. And Holy Spirit continued to thump you. And every time that you went to sin, Holy Spirit was thumping your heart until your heart got so hard. And it didn't matter. He still kept knocking, but you chose not to respond. It was your choice. He loves you enough to honor that choice. Everybody follow that? That's a good word right there. Watch this. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by the alien nations. He turns his heart toward heaven and just starts reminding God of his promises. Please hear that. When you're surrounded with circumstances around you, when you're surrounded by challenges that are all around you, when you're surrounded, watch this, by the alien kings. Everybody knows what I'm saying when I say that, right? There's a place where we just turn our heart toward God and remind him of his promises. Isn't that a good word? In that place of prayer, you're standing on the promise if you're an old-time Pentecostal, you probably sang the song. It had like 93 verses to it, it seemed like. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. You know what I mean? There, there's, I'm standing, standing on the promises of God. The, oh, the, that song, there's a place for that. And please hear us. A lot of those old hymns, can I say this? We don't sing a lot of, we don't sing old hymns and stuff. We're, we're very contemporary church. But I tell you something, a lot of those old hymns were inspired. They were, great for, they were great promises in some of those old hymns. And they were great for their day. And I understand there's a shift and a change and we stay with that. But some of those things come back to me and they rise up in my heart to a place where they speak volumes to me. I'm still standing on the promises. I might not be singing the song, but I'm still standing on the promise. Everybody understand? Jehoshaphat is standing on the very promises of God. I want you to see this. Watch what he says. Drop down to verse 11. Behold, I say how they reward us to come and cast us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will thou not judge them? Watch this. For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Isn't that an amazing word? Watch this. I want to talk to you. God, there's nothing we could do in our own strength about this. If we're going to fight this battle on our own, we are doomed. We have no might against this great company that's come against us. But our eyes aren't on them. 
you hear what I just said? Our eyes aren't on them. Here's the deal. Our eyes aren't on our problem. Our eyes aren't on our circumstances. Our eyes aren't on our troubles. Our eyes are on you. Do you know where we fail sometimes? We focus so much on the problem rather than the promise. You understand what I just said? You'll lose your joy when you're focused on the problem. You'll walk in joy when you focus on the promise. Oh, that was a good word right there. Do you understand what I just said? You'll lose your joy when you focus on the problem, but joy will grow in you. It'll well up in you. It'll be your strength right, when you're focused on the promise so that no matter what's going on around you, no matter what might be happening on the sides, you know what? God, I just thank you that I'm in love with you and you're in love with me. And God, I have a promise straight from heaven. And then you just start speaking the promises of God over your situation. What are you doing? Can I say this? Here's a good word for you right now. Whatever you feed, it'll grow. Whatever you starve, it'll die. If you feed the problem, guess what the problem's going to do? Come on, you're focusing on the problem. What's happening? The problem's growing. You start, your focus is on that, and you're just looking at the problem. You're talking about the problem. You're seeing the problem. You're discussing the problem, and you're looking at the problem, and your whole focus is on the problem. Guess what's happening? You're feeding that thing, and it's growing and growing and growing and growing. But watch this. I'm not even going to focus on the problem. I'm going to focus on this promise from God. And I take that promise. I start quoting the promise. start speaking the promise. I start speaking it out over and over. I'm rehearsing it. I'm declaring it over my situation. Guess what's happening? I focused on the problem. Or the promise, not the problem. Guess what happens? The problem's diminishing. The promise is raising. And all of a sudden now I'm walking in joy. Why? Because my promise just overtook my problem. That's a good word. How are you going to do that? Because I'm a son. Because I know who I am. Because I know the promises of God. Isn't it a great day that he didn't say the promises of God are maybe and I hope so? (laughs) He said the promises of God are yes and amen. I love that. I stand on that over and over all the time. It it, it so defines me. Watch the next couple verses. He said, our eyes are upon you. So watch. All of Judah gathers together. All of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. I love this. Come on, they didn't push the wives and kids to the background. Can I say this? And I'm going to talk to you as parents. Your kids need to see you praying before the Lord. They need to see you worshiping. They need to see you living and walking out this life. I'm going to talk to the moms and dads for a minute, whether that's by internet, whether that's here in the house. But here's the deal, and this is a big word to me. Don't put the kids to bed and then have family prayer. You join your children with you. They need to see mom and dad praying a prayer of agreement. When the scripture says a threefold cord is not quickly broken, I use that all the time in premarital counseling because I believe that that refers to a husband, a wife, and God. Y'all understand what I just said? My kids need to see my wife and I pray. You understand what I just said? They need to understand that. And here's something. The wives and the children were all a part of what was going on. In the culture of the day, the wives weren't important. The kids weren't important. It was the men that had the prominent place in the culture of the day. Everybody knows that, right? But at this moment, when there's a crisis that's going on, they brought in the wives. They brought in the children. And everybody turns their hearts to the Lord because there's a place here where they need to see this as a corporate body moving together. Your family is a corporate body. 
I'm sometimes challenged because here in the house, because of space limitations and all the things, usually on any given Sunday, we can have upwards of 100 people on the other side of the drawbridge. Because you got your twos and threes class, your fours and fives class, you got first through sixth grade, you got your nursery, you got your teachers, and there's somewhere close to a hundred people on that side of the drawbridge every Sunday. One of the challenges I have is that, you know what, I want my first through sixth graders to see mom and dad in worship. You understand that's a challenge for me. I haven't figured out all the dynamics of how we can make that happen, but we've talked about it openly, even in leadership meetings, we've talked about it because in my heart, I want my third graders seeing dad with their hands lifted up worshiping. They need to know that their dad's a worshiper. Why? Because we're called to model this thing out. And please hear this, dad ought to be a worshiper at home. But oftentimes, and don't hear it in the wrong way, I'm not trying to be critical, but sometimes dad's not much of a worshiper at home, but he does pretty good at church. Let him see him at church. (laughs) There's a a cry in my heart that says, man, this has got to happen. Follow with me. Wives and children are all part of this. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. The Spirit of God falls on Jehaziel. Now watch this. This is what's really cool. When you see the Old Testament prophets and you see the Old Testament heroes and the patriarchs, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. You know what's cool? The Spirit of the Lord is inside of you. So it rises up. You don't ever have to pray for an anointing to fall down. You need to pray for an anointing to rise up. It's already in you. Do you understand what I just said? Come on. There's a place, man, where we walk this thing out. So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel. Watch what happens. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Don't be afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. The battle isn't even yours. It's God's. I love that. The battle's not yours, but God's. Here's the way to walk in joy. You want to know about walking in joy? Understand that phrase right there. It's not my fight. It's not my fight. I can't lose. I read the back of the book. I'm on the winning team. Yay. (laughs) It's a good day. When you understand that, when that becomes a reality in your life, I can't lose. Do you understand that no matter what happens, I still win? Everything in my life I see from the eye of eternity. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but I see it through the eye of eternity. Do you understand that James said your life here is like a vapor? Do you know what that even means? Gone. Here for a moment and then gone. Kind of like my hair. So, so, so here's the deal. Okay. Here's the deal. I want to talk to you straight, real straight about this. But watch this. This is a good word. Your life's here for a short time and then it vanishes away. The fact of the matter is we're called to something more, something higher. And if you can see life through the scope of eternity, it makes all the difference in the world. You win. Who has an idea of what heaven's going to look like? Come on. Do you have any idea what heaven's going to look like? Yeah, streets of transparent gold. I'm not even sure what transparent gold looks like, but it's gold you can see through. Because I understand gold is gold and transparent means you can see through. So transparent gold is gold you can see through. I don't even know what that looks like, but that sounds pretty cool to me right? 
I, I get all that. There's, there's so much to that. I've had so many people that have come to me and said, well, you can't have any idea. I has not seen, nor or you heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him and look for his appearing. Who knows? That's scripture, yeah. right? So we say that. Read the next verse. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Amen. So if he revealed it to us, guess what? We can know. My eye hasn't seen, my ear hasn't heard, but my spirit is in contact with it. I think it's pretty exciting. I love his stuff. It speaks volumes to me. I love the idea that Jehoshaphat is in this place right now. The battle's not yours, it's God's. He's just got the word of the Lord, right? Guess what? The alien kings are still there. There's a ton of people that have still gathered around to bring destruction and dismay. Their goal is to wipe out Judah. Who knows? That's the truth. As a matter of fact, here's their goal. Kill all the men, take the women and children, and make them slaves. Because that's the way they fought battles. Kill the men, take the women and children, make them all slaves. Is that true or not? So now watch this. I'm not even just worried about me dying. I'm worried about what's going to happen to my wife. I'm worried about what's going to happen to my kids. There's a, there's a place where fear is beginning to grip the entire group. And that's why Jehoshaphat calls him to a place of prayer. Let's turn to the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord falls upon Jehaziel. And now here's the word of the Lord. Don't even worry. Don't be dismayed. The battle's not yours. It's God's. Now you've got to know something. They know some history. This is the group that has now crossed over Jordan. Things are amazing for them right now. They know the history of all the things that took place as the, as the Israelites came out of Egypt 40 couple years ago, right? Because it's about 40 couple years in now. But they know the history because it's been rehearsed over and over. Because part of the Jewish culture was they constantly rehearsed their, their history before their children and their children's children. They passed it on from generation to generation. Who knows that's the truth. It was an oratorical. They didn't write it down. They verbalized it. But that was part of the Sunday meals. That was part of all the stuff that went on on a weekly basis. They rehearsed their history before their kids. So they're going to know all this stuff. They know how God brought them out, how God delivered them. They've walked in. Come on, this is part of the group that walked across the Jordan River on dry ground. And they first battle. What's the first battle they fight? Jericho. How'd they fight that battle? That's pretty interesting. Let's get some pictures and some lamps and we'll march for a while. <laughs> It seems like a crazy idea for a battle. Yeah. Come on, but they march around Jericho seven, for six days. They march around the city. And then on the seventh day, they march around seven times and the wall fell down. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. All Jericho is smitten and destroyed except for the prostitute. <laughs> you don't know that? Yeah. Rahab, the harlot. Right, yeah. Only one that lives. Because yep. two preachers went to the prostitute's house. But they're the first people who've ever been there that carried themselves with integrity. That's a good day. <laughs> wow, preachers with integrity. Okay, leave that alone. Okay. <laughs> Follow this, man. They have seen the hand of God move in an amazing fashion. God has done awesome stuff. And in the process, now... They're surrounded. It looks bad. But here comes the word of the Lord. What's the word of the Lord? The battle's not yours. It's God's. Amen. Tomorrow, Jehaziel continues, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And you'll find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. 
The salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. What an amazing prophetic word. Anybody understand what he just said? Why did they think that came? They prayed, they fasted, and they sought God in the midst of a crisis. Understand what I just said? And God's first words to them, don't even worry. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. Don't let fear grip you. How much of the body of Christ do you think is controlled by fear? Come on. We've allowed, we've allowed a lot of junk to keep us from moving forward. And most of it's fear of failure. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of rejection. I want to share my testimony, but what if they don't receive me? I, I want to pray for this guy, but what if nothing happens? We've allowed fear to keep us back. What if I prayed and released faith and something did happen? What if I prayed and nothing happened, but I just loved that guy? He still got loved. Does that make sense? I'm just loving on you, man. Watch this. At this point, they've got a strong prophetic word. Jehoshaphat responds to the word. I want you to see what happens. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They just fell into a place of worship. God, you're amazing. We're surrounded, outnumbered, maybe seven to one at this point. We have no might against this company, but God, you've already promised us victory. How many know if God promises you victory, what are you going to have? God can't promise you victory and you walk in defeat. They've already been promised a victory. It's, it's, it's a promise that they've already been given. So here's the deal. And this is a big deal. But they understand that. They're in a place where they actually understand that. And they just start worshiping the Lord. The Levites and the, of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with a loud voice on high. Can you hear the shout that rose up there? Can you hear the shout of victory that rose up from this group of people? Watch this. Just 15 or 20 minutes before, they are in a place of fear. Oh, my goodness, we're all going to get killed. And now there's nothing but a loud shout. Why? What turned the tide? There's a place where they prayed, they sought God, and God spoke, and they have stood. Now, watch this. They are now standing on the promise of God. They are shouting. They are leaping and jumping. They're throwing babies in the air. They're having an amazing day. And why? Because they got a word of God to stand on. Guess what? They're still surrounded. Guess what? They're still outnumbered. Their circumstances didn't change, but they went from fear to joy. Why? Because they stood on a promise of God. Oh, I feel like this is so strong in my heart. There's a place where you walk in joy even in the midst of your circumstances because you still have a promise. Because my circumstances are on one scale, but my promise is on the other. Which way's out? Do you understand what I just said? They're not an equal balance here. The promise of God highly outweighs the circumstances of life. That's a good word. The promise of God highly outweighs the circumstances of life. Some of us stand on the promise. Does that make sense? There's a place where you just grab a hold of the promise of God. And because of the promise of God, I can walk in joy. God, I thank you. You're just amazing. You've already given me the promise. I don't even have to worry about this because there's a place where I'm just living and walking in victory because your promise says I can It's kind of an amazing life. I want to talk to you. 
Pastor Lori and I started out in ministry about 29 years ago. The first parsonage we moved into was a 12 by 60 mobile home, two bedrooms. We'd come from a four bedroom farmhouse with huge rooms into a 12 by 60 trailer with no room. <laughs> we only had one closet. Who's ever seen Sister Pastor? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one closet. Guess who didn't get to use it? Okay. <laughs> okay. But, but here's the deal. Okay. Here's the deal. At that point, at that point, Josh wasn't born. Nicole was born. Josh wasn't born yet. Josh was born while we were at Newville. In that time, I mean, we went through, and I don't even want to go into all the details, but we went through place after place, and God just moved us. We were, we'd become church doctors. The church we went to was highly torn up. Uh, we, we, we got things, stayed there three years, and it really came together, and God was blessing incredibly, so they moved us to another church that was highly torn up, and God blessed that, so we moved to another church that was highly torn up. We became church doctors, just going out and loving people. Y'all okay with what I'm saying? And there's a place where God was just using us in that arena, but what had happened was that in the process of all those changes and transitions, we came across, and I, th- I can say this, there were times when we were incredibly blessed and we had extra, and there were times when we barely got by and ate a whole lot of grilled cheese and tomato soup. Y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know what? God was the same when you were eating grilled cheese and tomato soup as you were when you had an extra couple dollars in your pocket. He didn't change. And you know what? There was a place where we just walked in joy and you understood, you know what? God will always provide. And we watched the provision of God, and we watched God do amazing things yesterday I was sharing the mentoring class and, and one of the things we talked about was at, at one point in our life um, Pastor Lori and I were we were into that whole grilled cheese and tomato soup season you know what I mean and you eat a lot and it was government cheese who's ever had that it's amazing that's the best cheese on the planet <laughs> but, but anyway in the process of that what we were doing and, 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 and I'm sitting on the porch and I'm, I'm kind of reminding God who's ever knows what I'm talking about I'm reminding God God have you done this God we left the steel mill to come here and we gave up security to come here. And God, I know you can take care of us, but you're kind of telling God how good you are. Do you know that when you're telling God how good you are, you're really telling him how he's not doing real good? Do you understand what I just said? Yeah, I wasn't smart enough to figure that out back then. I got a lot smarter as I went along, but I was realizing that. Here's what happened. A guy pulls up in a green Wagoneer. His name is Lynn Ziegler. It's a neat story. But Lynn Ziegler pulls up in a green Wagoneer, the old Jeep Cherokee Wagoneers. You know what I'm talking about with the wood grain siding? I can still picture this. That's how vivid it was. This was in the mid-80s, early 80s maybe even. And he pulls into my driveway. He owned a golf station, golf gas station. I don't think they have those anymore either, but it was the golf station in Newville. And he came, and as he pulled in, he come in, and he walks over. Lynn's never been to my house. He doesn't go to our church. He actually is part of the Brethren community, Church of the Brethren. It's a very big uh, section of, of that area. And he goes to, the, goes to the church up there. And I said, man, what brings you out to this neck of the woods, man? And he started talking with me. And he said, well, he said, actually, Johnny, my brother, and I, we're butchering. While we were butchering, he said, we got a bunch of stuff together. And he said, I was on my way to my pastor's. He said, with a bunch of meat. And he said, I've never in my life, he said, I'm an old man. He was about 62 at the time. He said, I'm an old man now. He says, and I've never had this experience before. But today, for the first time, I heard the audible voice of God. And he said, and God told me to bring the meat to you. So he opens up the back of the Wagoneer. It's one of them big doors that swing open, if you know what I'm talking about. And he opened it up, and there's two big boxes of steaks and hamburgers and roasts. And I shouted so loud, they heard me 16 miles away. Because <laughs> when you've been eating grilled cheese and tomato soup, and somebody shows up with a box of steaks, yeah! 
house. <laughs> Jesus. It was amazing. Here's why. Because you can hear the stories about God's provision, but when you live them, it's amazing. You know what it did? It solidified some things in my life. Things that I'd heard other preachers have talked about that I wanted to believe and actually knew were true. But once you experience them, it changes everything. I had now experienced the provision of God. From that day, it set a seal upon me that said, you know what? I'll never doubt God's provision again. Do you understand what that instills a joy in your life? Amen. Right? Because why? If God's faithful, you see the faithfulness of God. Does that make sense? Jehoshaphat understood the faithfulness of God. He understood this. So he turns his heart to seek the Lord. And now they seek God. The prophet speaks. And you know what? The whole place erupts in a place of joy. Right? The kings are still there. There's still the alien nations all around them. But they're walking in joy. From the outward appearance, it would seem like you're about to be destroyed. And inwardly, here's all of Judah shouting like as if they've already got the victory. Why? Because they had a prophetic promise. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's a place where you have a promise. That's why even in the midst of adverse circumstances, you can shout for joy. I hope that makes sense. Because you have the promise already recorded in the Word of God. Somebody said, well, how are we going to walk in this joy all the time? Because there's never a day that you don't have the promise. Does that make sense? So what you've got a purpose in your life is what am I going to allow to dictate my life, my circumstances or my promises? Which are you standing on? Because all too often we might sing standing on the promises, but who's ever sung it this way? Standing on the circumstances of my life. <laughs> Bound eternally to a nagging. Well, never mind. Okay, okay. No, no. Now that's not me, not me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't mean that. No. <laughs> okay. Here's where we're at. Don't you dare. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not on my anniversary, please. Okay. <laughs> Here's where we're at. She doesn't watch this. Okay. <laughs> but watch this. I want you to see this because it's a huge deal. We're not standing on the circumstances of life. We're standing on the promises of God. Y'all follow what I'm saying? We're standing on God's promise, not on a life circumstance. Jehoshaphat and all the people that are surrounding him are shouting for joy. Why? Because they're not standing on life circumstances. They're standing on God's promise. God just spoke to them. Who knows? God speaks to you all the time. Right here. He's over and over and over speaking in his word. It's his word. And it's, it's for you. So watch this. This is so cool. It speaks volumes to me. But watch this. And they rose up early in the next morning. Okay. They went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. Everybody see it? What's he saying? God's given you a word. You're going to believe it or not? Because if you can take the word of God and believe it, you'll be established forever. So watch this. It comes back to what Elijah was addressing a little while ago. It's not a roller coaster Christianity. Why? Because established isn't like this. This isn't established, established. Not this, this. If you can take the promise of God and believe it, you're established. That means you're not happy today and crying tomorrow and happy the next day and crying the next day. You're not living on an emotional roller coaster. You are standing on God's promises and you are established. If you want to know how to live and walk in joy all the time, you know what? Here's the deal. If you've been to New Life for Girls, Linda was part of that at one point. Watch this. If you've been a part of that, you know what they call them over there. They don't call them Pastor Dan. 
They call him Happy Dan. Does everybody? That's the name that he lives by over there. If you walk in and you say, you say Dan Muller, they don't even know who you're talking about. You say Happy Dan. Oh, Happy Dan. Yeah, because that's what they call him. Why do they call him that? Because he's always got this joy in him. Why? Because he understands what it is to be established in the promises of God. Does that make sense? So there's a place where you don't have to live on an emotional roller coaster all your life. Your identity isn't defined by your life circumstances. It's defined by the promises of God. So I'll stand on a promise, not a circumstance. If you're going to live on life circumstances, you're on the roller coaster. Because life circumstances are constantly shifting and changing. But if you're going to live on the promise of God, guess what? They're established forever. Thy word is established forever in the heavens. Who knows that scripture? So there's a place where we stand on that. Never changes. That's a good word right now. That just so speaks to me. Believe in the Lord your God and so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, you'll prosper. When he consulted with the people, watch what he does. He appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Okay, we're surrounded by all these alien kings. We're surrounded by all these alien armies. There's a, there's a whole group of them that's come to fight us. So uh, we're going to beat them. How are we going to beat them? Okay, send out the singers. <laughs> See, not a good plan, right? It wouldn't seem like the plan. If you're a military strategist, you don't want to send out the worship team first. Right. What are they going to do? Shoot them with their guitars? <laughs> take that <laughs> come on <laughs> you know that's not gonna happen yeah beat him with a drumstick right <laughs> come on it's not gonna happen except for one thing they understood that in the midst of life circumstances if you really want to overcome praise there's a place where in the midst of life circumstances, when everything seems to be falling apart around you, here's a good way. God, I thank you. You're amazing, and I love you. And you start to praise him and worship him. Send out the worship team. If you really want to win the battle, worship your way. Some situations in life, the only way out is to worship your way out. If there was an organ behind me, I'd be going, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I say, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but you got to understand there are places in life you just got to worship your way out. Come on, they're outnumbered seven to one, maybe even more. There's, a, there's different commentaries that, that kind of relate to all this. But in the process, what's happening is they are, they're sending out the worship team. Why? Can I ask you a question? You have trouble worshiping when you're outnumbered seven to one? When life circumstances seem to be closing in on you and all of a sudden it seems like, oh my gosh, I'm about to die. Brother Parton said something to me a long time ago. I was probably about 19 years old at the time. He said, Brother Don, I'm going to tell you something. There's two times that you really need to worship. I said, what's that? He said, when you feel like it and when you don't. That's the word I still remember today. When you feel like it and when you don't. And you probably ought to do it more when you don't. There's a place where we just turn to worship. 
outnumbered seven to one. Seems like everything, come on, they're looking. In the natural mind, if they allow their natural man, mind to overtake them, they're pitching themselves being slaughtered, their children being captured, their wives being taken prisoners. There's abuse and all kinds of things that are running through their mind, and they know that, that in the natural, that might be what it would look like, but they're not living in the natural. Why? Because they're not natural. There's a supernatural God in their midst. And they're understanding that in the midst of this, God's already given me a prophetic promise. So my life is not being weighed by my circumstances. It's being weighed by the promise of God. I refuse to stand on the circumstances when I get to stand on the promises. Anybody hear that? So when the doctor comes into you and gives you that ugly report... Come on, when, the, when, the, when it seems like the finances are this low and the bills are mounting this high, there's some promises that you need to stand on. Yes. Who knows what I'm talking about? I've been down some of these roads. I understand this thing. There's a place where you just stand on the promise of God. You go, God, I thank you. You're faithful. The faithfulness of God. Come on, he never fails. He never fails. Why? Because he's love and love never fails. Don't miss that. There's an unfailing promise that I'm going to stand on regardless of what's going on around me. I love this thing, man. So they began to sing. Look at verse 22. When they began to sing and to praise the Lord, I'm sorry, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. Do you understand what just happened? Here's the Israelites. They're all coming to fight the Israelites, right? Instead, they jump up and fight each other. And then they start killing each other. And then they start killing each other some more until they're all dead. And what's, what's Israel doing? He's still singing. <laughs> Come on. All they're doing is singing. There's a worship team out there in the middle of the battlefield. And they're singing, worshiping God, singing, watch this. And it even told you what they were doing. They were singing, praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. That's what it says. Praise the Lord. And in the process, the children of Mount Seir are being slaughtered by the children of Ammon and Moab. And then Ammon and Moab turn against each other, and they're killing each other. And the Ammonites are dying, the Moabites are dying. The children of Mount Seir are wiped out, and the Israelites are just worshiping. This is a pretty good day. I want to show you this. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked under the multitude, and they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. They all killed each other, right down to the last one. Just as the second to the last one was dying, he shot the last one. I don't know. (laughs) They all just died. That's an amazing day to me. I don't know if that's an amazing day to you, but they come out there to nothing but a whole bunch of dead bodies. Now, you've got to understand, there was a whole bunch of Israelites. That means there had to be a whole, whole, whole bunch of dead bodies on the ground because they were highly outnumbered. Everybody understand what I just said? Look at the next verse. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off, I love this, for themselves more than they could carry away. They were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. Now watch this. I don't know if this messes with your head like it messes with my head. But there's so many of these guys out there, and they started to take, watch this, they got precious jewels with them. 
Whoever goes to a battle carrying your precious jewels. Come on. If you're, how, many, how many United States soldiers are carrying diamonds in their pockets? Do you understand what I just said? Which one of our paratroopers has a gold brick in his back? <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? Here's precious jewels and riches. Why did they take them with them? Because God told them to. Why? Because he wanted to pay the army. I don't know if that messes with you, but I read that stuff and think, why did they have that? Must be God. And then it took them three days to get the spoil. I don't know if you understand that. Three days to get all the spoil. Do you know that's a lot of spoil? Come on. Jewels and riches. Does it say jewels and riches in your Bible? Because that's what it says in my Bible. Jewels and riches. Who takes jewels and riches to a battle? But they brought jewels, they brought riches. Why? So that Israel could prosper. Why? Because they stood on the promise. That's like an amazing day to me. I don't know if that's an amazing day to you, but those kind of things make me go, (laughs) that's just so cool. I love that. It does. It just so messes with my head because I read this stuff and I think, God, you are awesome. You moved upon a whole army of three different alien nations. Watch, who didn't even know God. But God moves on them. Make sure that when you go out to battle, you put some gold and some riches and some jewels in you. Okay, why? Because I want to give it to my people later. Isn't that amazing? It's a transfer of wealth. Yay. <laughs> oh, oh, I could preach right now. Where's that organ? Come on, Vicky, help me. Okay, okay. This is so strong in my heart. You've got to understand where I'm at in this. This is like an amazing day. And God's saying, I'm going to put blessing on you. Why? Because they stood on the promise. Watch this. If they didn't stand on the promise, if they didn't rejoice together, if they didn't send the praise singers out, what if they'd have just went out in their own battle? I'll bet you the story would have been a whole lot different. Israel would have been slaughtered and we wouldn't even read about this. But they stood on the promise. Watch this. This is what I'm trying to talk to you about. There's a place where you stand on the promise of God and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. So I'm not standing on life circumstances. I'm standing on God's promises. You get to choose. If you stand on your life circumstances, you'll never have joy. Your joy will come, but it'll go. And then it'll come, then it'll go. Then it'll come, then it'll go. And all your people will think around you will think you're bipolar. (laughs) They'll be casting out the demon of bipolar out of you. And it isn't even that you're bipolar. It's just that you're standing on life circumstances. But you stand on the promise of God. And here's the deal. God will bless you. God will keep you. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. And guess what? You'll prosper. And you'll be established. It's what the Word of God says. There's a place where you and I have got to live this thing established. You know why? Because the world's looking for a model. And they're tired of watching a church that goes like this. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down feel like we're in spiritual calisthenics. <laughs> that's amazing. Three days they carried out the spoil. I don't know if that speaks to you like that speaks to me. On the fourth day, they assembled themselves together in the valley of Barakah. For there, they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the Valley of Barakah unto this day. You know what's cool? Barakah is Hebrew for blessing. It's the Valley of Blessing. See, I'm not afraid of going through the valley because I see it as a Valley of Blessing. Do you understand what I just said? It's a Valley of Blessing. In the valley, he restores my soul. 
Because if I'm in the valley, I know the lily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was just, that just rose. Come on. I know the lily in the middle of the valley. Oh, oh where's my organ now? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah. Come on. Because there's a place where you got to understand. There's a place. When we go through, it's the valley of blessing. That's what he called it. Why? Because they stood on the promise. Because even in the valley, you stand on the promise. I don't care what's going on in your life. You stand in the promise. Why? Because you know the promise. Here's the deal. The only way you really stand on the promise, you've got to know the promiser. Stranger comes to you and says, listen, man, you meet me at Keystone Diner at 1230, I'll buy you lunch. You may go. You may not go. He's a stranger. You don't even know if he's going to be there. I said, I'll buy you lunch, I promise. You might go. But if it's a friend of yours, somebody you're close to, meet me at Keystone Diner at 1230, I'll buy you lunch. Guess what? You'll probably go because they made a promise and you know the promiser. See, you can only trust the, the promise as much as you know the promiser. Do you understand what I just said? So you've got to have faith not just in the promise, you've got to have faith in the promiser. When we stand on the promise, we can do it because we have faith in the promiser. You've got to know the promiser. Oh, that's big in my heart. That's really, really big in my heart. How well do you know the promiser, and are you ready to stand on his promise? Nicole was probably two years old. We were preaching. I was preaching a revival in Lancaster, and uh, Billy Wallen was the pastor there, and they had a platform that was up uh, like the the floor stopped here and then the, the the platform came straight up and there were steps on either side y'all know what I'm talking about the pulpit was right here at the end and I took my little two-year-old daughter she was in the congregation and I took her and I went up and I put her on top of the platform on top of the pulpit and I stepped back about three steps I said honey come here just jump not even thought of second jumped there was never a thought in her mind that I would have stepped to the side and let her splat to the floor. Why? I said, jump, I'll catch you. I'll catch you. She so trusted her father that without even thinking, she jumps immediately. Does anybody understand the analogy of what I just said? Why? Because I promised her I'd catch her. And she had complete faith in her father that he would catch her because he said so. Your father said so. I don't know if everybody gets that or not, but your father said so. There's a place. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child. You understand the, the faithfulness of the promiser. So because you understand the faithfulness of the promiser, there's a place where you have no problem standing on the promise. I refuse to stand on the circumstance when I have a right to stand on the promise. Oh, that's so big to me. So watch this. I'm never, I'm never allowing the circumstances of life to put a frown on my face because the frown on my face doesn't exist. Why? Because there's no frown in God's promise. And I refuse to stand on the circumstance when I have the right to stand on the promise. So now his promise turned my frown upside down. Okay. There's, a, there's just a place where, where you, you don't even, come on, there's a place where you're not overwhelmed. You're not overwhelmed by life. Too much of the body of Christ is overwhelmed by life. I'm not overwhelmed by life. I'm overwhelmed by promise. So I do this a lot. 
It's not my fault. I can't help it. I'm overwhelmed by the promises of God. It's amazing. You understand where my heart's at today? We have a right and a privilege as his sons and his daughters to walk in the promise of God. Here's the deal. You've got a purpose in your heart. What promise are you going to stand on? Do you understand what I just said? What promise are you going to stand on? I tell people this all the time. When you're going through those places that seem to be rather difficult, study as much as you can every promise that relates to your problem. And then you focus on the promise, not the problem. I love the fact that Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we don't even know what to do, but our eyes aren't on them. Our eyes aren't on our circumstances. They're not on our situation. They're not on our trouble. Our eyes are on you. Why? Because I'd much rather focus on the promise than the problem. Hear this and hear this really, really well. Whatever you focus on will grow. If you feed it, it'll grow. If you starve it, it'll die. Whatever you focus on, you feed. Do you understand what I just said? You know that's true. If you really look at life, if you really go through your own individual life and you look at that, you realize the things that I focused on, the things that I kept in front of me, the things that I, I, come on, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So if I'm focusing on the promise rather than the problem, what happens? My promise gets bigger. Come on, the bigger my promise, the bigger my smile. You just got to know your promise. You understand what I'm saying? It's a good word for the day. As sons and daughters, and watch this in your identity, here's the deal. Do the people around you want a faith like yours? Did you catch what I just said? Do the people around you want a faith like yours? Because I'll tell you something, for years we probably missed this in the body at large. At large, we missed this. And the people around the church said, if that's God, I don't want it. Because we focused on all the wrong stuff. All I'm trying to do is help you gain a perspective. Remember, over and over, what we keep hearing in our testimonies in the first half? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. So the idea is just keeping your perspective right, keeping your perspective in the right sorts, understanding who you are and what your promise is and knowing God's faithful. He's going to see us through this thing. So I'm not even going to focus on the problem. I'm going to focus on the promise. Remember this. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You just read over that a couple of times and allow that to saturate you. See what Jehoshaphat was doing because he had an understanding. And he wasn't even in a covenant like us. Do you understand what I said? He had a, he had a different covenant because he's an Israelite, right? So he has an Israelite. He has an Abrahamic covenant. But we got a covenant that's even better than Abraham's. Come on. They had an old covenant. We have a new covenant. It's a pretty amazing day. So when it seems like life circumstances are trying to weigh in on you, here's the deal. You look in that mirror and say, I refuse to stand on the circumstances when I have a right to stand on the promises. Come on, man. There's a place for that right now. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Whether you're watching by the internet, whether you're in the room, whatever it might be, here's the deal. And this is, this is a big deal. You've got to ask yourself, where's my promise? What's my promise I'm standing on? What am I going to stand on today? Where's my promise? What am I standing on? Pastor, you don't understand. My finances are in a wreck. It's a disaster. I feel like I'm going to lose my house, my car, my electric, whatever. Then I'm going to stand on Philippians 4.19 and tell you that my God's going to supply all your need according to his riches and glory. 
And you be faithful with what you have and he'll bless you. You be faithful. Hear what I just said. I hear that rising up really in my heart. You be faithful with what you got. Because if you're not being faithful with what you got, why would God give you more? But if you're faithful with what God gave you, if you're faithful with what you have, he's going to bless that. I'll tell you, I'll just hear that really strong. It's a prophetic word for somebody right now. You just be faithful with what God's already entrusted into your care. Here's the deal. You might have got a bad report from the doctor, but here's a promise. By his stripes, this thing's already bought and paid for, man. Come on. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. That's what he's saying. Man, I hear that really, really strong. You might be in a battle. You might be faced with incredible challenges that are right in front of you right now. But I'm going to tell you something. He's going before you as a banner. He said, I'll go before you. Oh, you might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but don't you dare fear because the Lord is with you. He's an ever-present help in a time of trouble and a God. Oh, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's a promise for you. You stand on that promise. There's a place for you to stand on the promises of God right now. And his promises are not maybe and I hope so. They are the yes and the amen of God. And somebody right now, you need to grab a hold of the yes. You need to grab a hold of the yes of God, the promise of heaven. Because God is saying yes to you right now. There's a yes for you right now. There's a yes for your situation. There's a yes for your circumstance. There's a yes from heaven right now. You just got to grab a hold. I refuse to stand on life circumstances when I can stand on God's promises. I I am not standing on the circumstances of my life. I am standing on the promises of my God. There's a place where right now you're grabbing a hold of a promise from heaven. It might be about relationships. It might be about your marriage. It might be about your family. You might have some wayward children, but I'm going to tell you something. There's still a promise straight from heaven. There's still a promise straight from God. God is giving you a promise today, and there's a place where you want to grab a hold of that and say, man, I am getting a hold of the promise. I will not allow my life to be dictated by life circumstances. My life will be governed by God's promises. Man, that's a strong word in my heart right now. I'm going to stand on that. That's the yes of God, and you're going to hold on to that right now. We're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you. I thank you for every heart, every life, each individual, God, within the sound of our hearing, whether they're in this room or whether they're watching on the internet. I'm thanking you, Father, right now for the promises of God. They are yes. They are amen, and we stand on that right now. We will not allow ourselves to be governed through life by the circumstances of life, but we will stand on the promise of heaven. We will stand on the promise of God. Jesus, you showed up and showed us uh, the promises of God are faithful. And God, I thank you. We do have a faithful high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmity and we stand steadfast and sure. We've been engraved in the palm of your hand. You know us. Uh, the hairs of our head are numbered. You love us. Uh, and God, I thank you that even in the midst of it all, we can stand with blessed assurance. Uh, we can stand in a calm assurance knowing that we are blessed. We are highly favored. We are the blessed children of the Most High God and we stand. Even like Jehoshaphat of old, we refuse to look at our trouble. We refuse to look at our circumstance. But God, we stand on your promise. And as we look to the promise of God, we say yes and amen to every promise in the book. God, I thank you that right now, we have the faithfulness of a God that loves us more than we can understand. So the joy of the Lord encapsulates us, uh, and we will walk in that joy. We will not be governed in an up and down roller coaster escalator ride. But God, we will stand on the promise of God, and we will be established. Uh, we will believe in the Lord, and our ways will be established. Uh, we will believe in his prophets, and we will prosper. So we stand on the word of our God. We stand in truth, and we know, God, that you're faithful in all things. So we love you. We thank you. And we say yes to your will and yes to your way and yes to the promise of God. Father, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.
Bless you. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Quick please, word. Please stay seated. Randy's got a song queued up. He wants us to hear it. Goes along with uh, teaching today. Everybody's children fed because Jehoshaphat studied the word of the Lord. King of Jerusalem, long, long time ago, when the children of Judah all worshiped the Lord from the high on down to the low. Judah was a wealthy king. Everybody's children were fed because Jehoshaphat studied the word of the Lord, did everything he said. And out of the east came an army one day after Jehoshaphat's gold. They were marching right straight to Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat soon was told. So he called all the people together. Everybody fasted and prayed. The Lord God answered the people and he said, There's no need for you to be afraid. Afraid. Because the battle is mine tomorrow. Not yours and it's not the king's. And all you gotta do is just stand and watch. To see the salvation I bring. Just believe in what I've told you. It's exactly what I'm gonna do. Go out tomorrow against them because the Lord's going to fight for you. Great jumping, Jehoshaphat. The army rose early next morning, marched on out with the king. Jehoshaphat chose some singers. He told those singers to sing. They praised the beauty of holiness instead of shouting out a battle cry. And all the way down to the enemy's camp, they sang to the Lord on high. They were singing, praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord our God. His mercy will never end. You can sing that chorus too, it's real easy. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever and ever. And the last time you sing, Praise ye the Lord our God for his mercy will never end. Try it, it's real simple. Praise ye the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord, His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord our God, His mercy will never end. The Lord God set up an ambush, got the enemy all turned around. And they started into killing each other, you know, till they all lay dead on the ground. The riches and the jewels that they left behind, it took them three whole days to haul. The children of Judah all praise the Lord, cause he'd saved them one and all. They were singing, praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord, for his mercy Forever and ever, praise ye the Lord our God. His mercy will never end. 
the parallel's not real obvious Now I'll spell it right out for you When you see trouble coming to rip you off Here's all that you need to do Pray to your heavenly father Believe that his word is true And then step out and shout the salvation of God Cause he'll win that battle for you And praise ye the Lord For his mercy endures forever and ever Praise ye the Lord Mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. For his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord our God. His mercy will never end. Will never end. Praise ye the Lord. For his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord. His mercy endures forever and ever praise ye the lord our god his mercy will never end i just have one more thing um some people that express more interest in getting together and going out um into the marketplace and praying for people um some people you know it's kind of new to them so what I want you to do, if you're willing to take, and, and we don't, we can only have a couple, you know, a small group, like, I want people that are willing to go and take a couple people out to stand so everybody can see them, and, and I would do that as well. Uh, no, this is what we're doing. You're, you just see who is standing, and you go to them and talk and set something up with them, okay? That's the purpose. Uh, anybody else? Okay, just willing to take one or two people out, just walk through the mall or go to Walmart or whatever and just, okay? So for the rest of you, Sue, what? Well, well, good old days in Littlestown. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. If you're available, is that, the, that starts when? Starts today. There'll be like thousands of people in Littlestown over the next, there will be. So sit down, work. That's an opportunity. Um, and I just wanted to make it, you know, everybody to see who is willing to go out with you. And um, if you want to hook up and set up something, that would be great. Okay? Today's Teardown Day. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>